End of year awards! Apparently we're live and I've noticed for the past little while whenever it says going live we've already been live for a little bit so you get like five seconds of me sipping my tea. <laughs> Which hopefully doesn't happen. But anyway, welcome to the Wrestling Headlines 2020 End of Year Awards live on the 9th of January 2021 which is a day earlier than last year. So congratulations to Sam for uh, counting it all up <laughs> in record time this year. Obviously, I've just casually introduced him. I'm joined once again to do the Wrestling Headlines Interview Awards with Sir Sam. Welcome back, Sam. Hello, Imp. It's great to see you. And great to see you in living colour as well. I'm not, definitely not used to being on camera and seeing you on camera, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I played a little thing just for this one because last year... We pre-recorded this and it went out and nobody watched it. <laughs> it was a lot of effort, a lot of time. It was like, yeah, the actual column version does, did well, it did fine. Obviously, end of the awards columns and articles always do well on wrestling headlines. But uh, the actual video, yeah, like 30 people. <laughs> so I was like, right, this time, to do a proper live stream, put some effort into it. <laughs> it was just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Last, seriously, last year... I we... made a background today. Yeah, this absolutely. Was my, yeah. This is like my task and my chore I've today. Got, I've got my Wrestling Headlines t-shirt on. The logo matches the logo that's in the middle of the screen. <laughs> it's great. Oh, look, I mean, the only way I made that... Where do you that... get those from? I've never... I don't even know we had them. Hit up uh, hit up Calvin. He, uh... <laughs> uh... he must be relatively happy with what I'm doing because he sent me four t-shirts <laughs> to wear for this. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because I live in Australia and posting anything oh, in Australia costs an arm and <laughs> legs. Shipping to Australia. <laughs> He's like, no, no. Ridiculous. No. <laughs> to be fair, it took like I, a I, It's fortunate. I have like 20 hmm. levels of this thing behind me. Hmm. Shipping was at all costly. <laughs> a good cost. Uh, uh, but yeah, so obviously, so Sam's got a professional background. I've got the professional T-shirt to make up for the washing machine and washing behind me. <laughs> so, <laughs> best thing headlines ahead. Of, but we're not we're faff. We've got a lot of awards to get through. As you can see above me, I can't point in the wrong direction. As you can see above me, the WWE Wrestle of the Year will be our first award. But first off, we've got a load of things to plug. And by we, I mean Sam. Yeah, so first thing I wanted to plug was, of course, this is brought to you by Wrestling Headlines. That's the website that we write for, podcasts for, we have videos for. And we actually rely on contributors from in the wrestling community. Me and him, you know, five years ago, didn't have this. We didn't write, we didn't podcast or anything, but we got involved in Wrestling Headlines through the forum. And at the moment, I'm hosting a writing tournament in the forum. It's called Last Man Standing. And with that, there'll be five rounds. Each round, there'll be eliminations of writers. And it's a great way, if you want to get started writing, if you've ever thought about writing about wrestling, it's a great way to get in there. You'll have topics provided for you. You'll get feedback, so you won't be writing for no one. And it's really fun when there's a tournament. We've got some veterans who've signed up for it. We've got one up-and-comer who I've never met before who's signed up for it. And I'm going to be running it. So, you know, who to come to if there's any issues. <laughs> uh, and in, as in Blutesk, it, it's great writing for wrestling headlines. It's great writing in the columns forum. And you learn a lot about yourself, about wrestling. And you enjoy wrestling more when you write about it, I reckon, or when you analyse it, critique it. So if you have ever thought about writing about wrestling, go to the Wrestling Headlines column forum. Sign up for Last Man Standing. We just announced the first topic. It's favourite match so you can do whatever you write like there's one person who's written something in there and it's like a fictional retelling of their favorite match really interesting uh and there's like about two or three weeks the 
the first round finishes on the 25th, sorry, 24th, Sunday the 24th of January. So you've still got a good two weeks to write your column if you're keen. So that's that's the main thing I wanted to plug. And that's what's bringing us the end of year awards. Um, I'm saying it's brought to you by the last man standing tournament <laughs> we're doing. Brought to you by last man standing with Tim Allen. <laughs> the amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I can attest. I've um, myself and Sir Sam both started off in the columns forum before I went there. I'd never written anything, any any column thing before in my life. Obviously, I'd written dissertations and things for schools and universities, whatever. But yeah, it's the first time I ever wrote columns, and the specifically the tournaments always pushed me as a writer to come up with random stuff. And you never know what you're gonna write. And of course, it for me, I always used it to push myself and come up with random ideas and things like. One time I did a nursery rhyme for Roman Reigns' The Golden Goose. <laughs> As in, you never know what you're going to write. <laughs> and I really like that. Uh, and the quality is incredible for all of these tournaments. I always felt like I had to bring it, otherwise I would never advance to the next one. Uh, in- incredible quality every single time. Which it's great to see that always happening. Uh, yes, also, also... Yeah, it's especially humbling when you're a main page writer, you know, you're mm. writing every week, and then yeah. you go into these tournaments and someone who's written, like, two columns just decimates you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's happened, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I want to say uh, hello to Josh Robinson as well in the chat. How is the new hair? I've not seen it. Right, anyway, <laughs> so just some random sidebars, I saw he was there. Uh, so, oh, the Wrestling Headlines Award. Have we got something else to plug? Oh, it happens every time. <laughs> we organise this beforehand. I don't think I do. I don't think I've got anything else. Follow me uh, on Just Twitch. plugging the column for the end of year awards, oh, yes, I'd say, right. would be mm. the main thing. So that'll be posted on wrestlingheadlines.com next, oh, probably tomorrow sometime. Uh, I haven't, I've got all the results together. I'm just writing the, the analysis and things of the, for the tournament uh, and for the, sorry, for the results of this. I've got too many things going on in my head, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just writing the analysis of it at the moment, so that'll probably go up sometime tomorrow on WrestlingHeadlines.com. You'll see all of the results, and we'll announce them today. But this will have all of the figures, who's got first, second, third, all of that um, that you can dig in and comment on. Uh, and look, uh, as we've said, if you you know if you're keen, hit me up, hit us up on Twitter um, with any questions or in the chat on YouTube as we go through. If you've got any comments or have any questions, and of course me. Uh putting two little circles on either side of the wrestling headlines end of year awards kind of image I've got between us was totally on purpose and not an accident when I completely erased incorrectly <laughs> as in the uh, I've forgotten what it's called where you do this as a selection tool that was it yeah I totally didn't do the selection tool and accidentally go into it it's like well, I'm gonna have to move it on the other side oh it looks like a ticket that's convenient <laughs> so anyway it worked out all right <laughs> uh, and and Josh Robinson I've got zero idea what you're talking about him but <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so let's get on with the wars. Enough tangents. Where I, I, again, this happens every time with my shows. <laughs> you have to stick on topic. That's why I script myself. <laughs> Otherwise, I go absolutely just crazy everywhere. So the end of year awards. We're going to start off scarily enough with the WWE Wrestler of the Year. And again, scarily yeah, so enough, you... you can see the results in front of you for this entire few minutes. And <laughs> I guess, Sazam, have you got any? I guess initial comments on how this has panned out. Yeah, so I guess just before I do, we, I, I, when we, when I created these awards and when I've run them, I like to separate out the 
the different promotions. I've got WWE, AEW, and Global Slash Indie. I'd like to do something different with Global Slash Indie, but we've got to draw a line somewhere, and we can't watch everything, and we can't have categories for everything. But we've got the three, the two big promotions um, separate because, honestly, I think they are different, and they the wrestlers in them are expected to have different things. They're expected to have different matches. So I think it's fair to separate them. Uh, and it gives a chance for each fan base to, to value within that fan, within that company, as opposed to making it a war about WWE versus AEW or anything. We've got that later. There's that, there's the question yeah. of the best promotion <laughs> worry, yeah. later, but within the promotions, we want to celebrate what's best at the end of the year. And that's why I love doing this coming on and doing this podcast with Yimp. Um, yeah. So first in, we had Drew McIntyre. He got 39% even of the vote. Second Roman Reigns, 10.8%. Bray Wyatt um, came in third, 7.9. Then Randy Orton, seven and Bailey. So Drew McIntyre, the runaway winner here. Um, he just had a fantastic, year he he finally i guess fulfilled the promise that he you know when he came out and was given the chosen one gimmick and and that line where vince mcmahon inducted Mm. kind of set him up uh and for a while it was almost a um a cursed tag that he had but he's fulfilled that promise this year started the year winning the royal rumble had a a bank had a you know got to squash brock lesnar um (laughs) cleanly and hasn't had to hasn't had to ha- suffer, you know, the, the comeback loss or anything like that to Brock Lesnar since. Uh, he had um, great matches with the likes of Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, uh, AJ Styles. Just re- a really solid run as the, the lead the lead man. I thought he was a great heel a couple of years ago, and I was kind of hoping that he would become the you know a top guy through that. But he's he's been a great face. Tim, what do you think of, of the result here? Well, to say I just had a little panic of oh crap, I've not turned my charger on. <laughs> it's like, oh crap, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I I'm not surprised. It's a weird one. The only only thing I'd say um a little surprised of is I guess that Roman Reigns isn't higher and I guess the only reason for that yeah. is the amount of time that because of course he took a big chunk of the year off and with Drew McIntyre yeah he's been killing it all year round for the title of months it's difficult to think of anybody else that deserves it but they're on the list the others are there and I I think in past years we've gone hmm maybe one or two of them this year no every single person on that list I can totally see why they've got the votes and why they've got that many it's mm. Because it, it seems to descend in the perfect order. Maybe I'd swap Bray Wyatt round for Randy Orton. Maybe even drop Bray to fifth because I've really enjoyed Bailey this year. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I'm totally in sync with how this has gone. It's it's not much. To, it's not a hot. Sometimes I have to say before that Imp doesn't have hot takes and look at this and go, that's nah, totally agree. <laughs> There's no hot take to have. <laughs> yeah, it's Jim McIntyre, easy runaway winner. Ever since the Rumble has been a complete fire and he's been booked as a smart babyface, which is fantastic to finally see. They've finally figured out how to make their top champion not be an idiot, <laughs> which is great to see. Yeah, um, smart, yeah. fiery, strong. What's not to love about him? Yeah. Scottish, sorry, British. Good looking. <laughs> British, oh, I did that wrong. <laughs> did the <laughs> <laughs> accidentally did, nearly did the was it uh, like with New Zealand, Australia, where if the Kiwi does well, he's a, he's, a, he's an Aussie at heart. <laughs> when it's like, oh no, he's British. <laughs> he's British as Andrew McIntyre. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, run away for me easily. When we get to global and stuff, I think that's when it's quite evident the wrestling headlines get a fan base 
doesn't, on the whole, doesn't really watch outside of certain promotions. So you can see that when the kind of people who win the awards. Uh, however, with WWE, I feel like our our, our site visitors have nailed it <laughs> this year. Absolutely nailed it. Drew McIntyre's had an amazing year. And I bloody hope he doesn't lose to Goldberg. Ah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I specifically didn't watch Raw Legends this week. I say specifically. It was Wrestle Kingdom. I was watching something, you know, two really, really good shows instead of having to cover Raw. So in doing that, I didn't watch Raw Legends. But I can say 2021 looks to hopefully be starting with a strong fire. Like, give Drew McIntyre an absolutely massive win to really cement him in the main event. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next. <laughs> but really good 2024, Drew McIntyre. Right, so next up is the WWE Tag Team of the Year. All of these graphics made by Sam, by the way. So well done, Sam, in making this uh, insane amount of graphics. It took me long it took me long enough just to import them into the streaming software. <laughs> I'm actually making them. Uh, but... Uh, so, yeah, so in, I've got to lean forward to actually read the data on these ones. <laughs> so, in first place, with 27% of the votes, it's the Street Profits. In second place is Bailey and Sasha Banks with 24%, that's pretty close. Uh, the Hurt Business with 14 The New Day with 13 And with 11% in last place is the Undisputed Era. And, again, for me, hard to dispute or go against that. Uh, Street Profits have an incredibly strong year. Uh, they've sort of solidified themselves on the main roster. Uh, obviously, it's not their fault that they're booked to face the one opponent for like 20 weeks in a row, then change to a new one, do that for 20 weeks in a row. <laughs> Currently on Dolph Ziggler versus Bobby Roode. I don't know what number they're on already. It's not been that many weeks since the draft. Uh, Hurt Business, same issue. Hurt Business, New Day. I shall be all in on that. And I was at the start. Three months later, and it's still... They haven't wrestled anybody else, really, <laughs> until this week. <laughs> it was the first time. It's like, oh, it's, it's insane. Just to stop running the same matches, <laughs> please. Same, same with ba ba Bailey and Sasha. Like Bailey and Sasha, I was so into their tag team, but they faced Asuka and Kairi saying how many times? <laughs> it's just like no variance in the feuds for the tag team. If I'm giving a, a critique of WWE's tag scene this year, they've got, they've established really strong teams, especially as the champions for both the men and the women. However, Whenever they're in feud, there's no variance whatsoever and you become sick and tired of it and you're not actually excited to see near any of the pay-per-view matches because you've seen them 20 times by the time you get to it. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's my little critique on it. Sam, what do you make of the Tag Team of the Year? I think this is an award for consistency for the Street Profits. Like, mm. I can't really think of a absolute blow-away moment or match that they've had, but just every single week they've been, they've shown up, they've had, you know, they've had really enjoyable little feuds, and every time they hit the ring, they bring life. I think my my um, enduring memory of them this year will just be how they brought life and fun to, like, that barren performance centre. Um mm. <clears throat> And, and for a while, you know, that was something that I think we really needed, and they did. Um, they did bring that. My personal pick was Bailey and Sasha because I love how um, they used it to further their feud uh, and how it, it it became, you know, it 
it, they, they use it to further a story, I guess. Uh, and that's why I love wrestling is because of that ongoing story, that long-term story, that's the best thing. That's the number one thing I, I love in wrestling. Uh, and so th- they were my personal pick, but I can't, I can't argue with the street profits too much because as you said, just that consistency, they've been strong all year long and definitely deserve to be the winners here. Uh, one thing I would mention uh, with the wrestler of the year um, and tag team of the year the undisputed era came in fifth year last year adam cole took out wrestler of the year easily and undisputed era took out tag team of the year easily Mm. and and it's a trend i think that nxt is not um you know it's i guess while it hasn't been you know awful or anything like that i think it has probably fallen back to the pack a little bit and the main roster has cleaned up its act a little bit from the last couple of years where nxt was this kind of oasis of amazingness uh, a lot of the time and the main roster was like we've got some good bits but boy you have to sit through some real garbage (laughs) to get them it's Mm. kind of even itself up a little bit Mm. and and now you're seeing the main roster acts sort of really assert their dominance here whereas last year in particular it was it was you know nxt 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 everywhere in these end of of year awards so um you know that's something i would say and i also just noticed in the uh in that um josh put down bailey's his number one for the year and that's a for the the wrestler of year and that's a that's a damn good pick there josh if you if you are um you know making an interview pick i think i I forgot to give my one i think it would be drew mcintyre actually i I, I think in essence gave (laughs) i'd say it was drew mcintyre yeah and oh yeah yeah yeah, big, big, big Scott Boy done good. Uh, but yeah, Tag Team of the Year is the same thing. Establishing really good acts. And uh, again, especially the Hurt Business. For me, they're the best new team on the scene. Uh, I'm really into the Hurt Business. Again, it's a shame they're not allowed to wrestle anybody else. <laughs> but they're doing really well. Uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, they're a really strong unit. And MVP, uh, somebody said that MVP should be in an award for Breakout Star of the Year. I think it was a WWE employee talking about the Slammies purely because of the year he's had with the Hurt Business and the amount of good work he's doing there. So yes, I thought I'd give that a shout-out, because yeah, the Hurt Business have been, for me, a revelation in the mid-card of a show, which is repetitive to death and boredom <laughs> for me. Uh, again, they're nailing their main events. It's just the mid-card. You can sense the repetition. It kills me, <laughs> especially when I watch AEW. We'll get to those awards later. Uh, or, as somebody told us in the comments, you've got too many AEW awards, the bias is real. <laughs> and immediately, I think it's the same in the comments. It's just like, we've got the exact same awards. As in, the, it's literally, I've just swapped the name WWE for AEW. It's the same awards. <laughs> what are you on about? Uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter what we do. We're biased whichever one we're talking about. <laughs> so, this, I don't know how to take this stream where we're kind to both of them. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be the end. <laughs> Oh, positive, yeah. positive people. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, the tag scene. My yeah, great teams established. They've done a really good job. Of, yeah, especially building up the likes of the Hurt Business, Street Profits, the tag team champions, been great and consistent. Bailey and Sasha were whilst they were champions, and I like the little rumblings they did underneath as well. New Day are just my favourite thing in uh, in the WWE tag world, and I'm totally with you. We'll see the pattern. NXT normally has got multiple nominations for tag team single stars, for show of the year, for match of the year, and, but this year, get they get one if they're lucky. Like That's they so really cool. have, uh, just you can see the fan kind of reception to their current product dropped off a cliff, or or elsewhere it's risen and they've kind of uh, a little bit. We're too put it in. Can you tell we're. Very good writers when I have to explain it as got a bit. 
<laughs> but yeah. And and this is not and and just to put it out there, mm. this is not like anyone who's read my stuff will know that I've been very disenchanted with the WWE over the years. Mm. But this is a fan voted thing. This is the oh, readers. Yeah. So this is seven hundred votes. I get one vote in this. Um, <laughs> just because I put it together doesn't mean I get any special powers. And it, I just think it's an interesting trend to see. It's not you know it's not me trying to have a goal or anything like that. If you love NXT, that's fantastic. But I just think it's an interesting trend that we're seeing. Um, do we want to move on to the uh, non wrestler of the year? We do. I, I clicked it to move the picture on. <laughs> so we did yeah. that. So, yes. Uh, do you want to read out the non-wrestling personalities of the year? Yeah. So we have Paul Heyman just dominating in this category with forty-three point nine percent of the vote. Uh, William Regal comes in second, nine point eight percent. Wade Barrett third, nine percent. Charlie Caruso seven point eight percent, and then Corey Graves six point three percent. You'll notice the uh, the graphics kind of cut off the point percent, the point part. But I uh, I like to read that out personally. <laughs> yeah, Paul Heyman just and in and in some of it, uh, there's a reason for that because in some of the categories, the point part actually makes a difference. Um, but yeah, Paul Heyman, I think it, it's the last few years when we've run this. I found it strange that he hasn't picked it up because he's so well loved in the, particularly in the diehard wrestling community, and particularly by the readers of wrestling headlines. You know, formerly Lords mm. of Pain, a lot of older people who love his ECW stuff. Um, so you know, are very likely to vote for him. Uh, but he hasn't won this, and this year, I think with adding, you know, being able to show a bit more versatility uh, as both on the the pre-shows and post-shows, and also particularly with Roman Ra- his work with Roman Reigns, just the blow-away winner um, by a long shot here. And I think fair, fair to be absolutely the the right person in this case. Mm. No, Adam Pierce. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who would actually <laughs> win this this year. Tom Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vic Joseph with his banter with <laughs> Wade Barrett. Totally not scripted banter. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, it's hard to think of anybody else because they don't really do managers. There isn't really anyone who isn't a manager who also doesn't do a little bit of things, uh, stuff. I guess if we're looking at this time next year, Reginald, who's with Carmella, he got over at TLC. <laughs> he was like, immediately, he's like, my boy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. He better not wrestle. <laughs> if he wants to take yeah. this one out <laughs> if he wants this award he's got to take it seriously <laughs> not get in that ring uh, but yeah it's hard to think of anybody else uh, Paul Heyman obviously extremely important in terms of Drew McIntyre's initial run of the first I guess quarter to Wrestlemania um, dropped off then to I guess more backstage stuff but still yeah there's no again there's nobody else I can think of to nominate for this Nobody else. Uh, there isn't. Yeah, there isn't really just a manager. That's that's on TV enough to really get him close. I think I think it's worth noting though he hasn't won this just by default because previous mm. years you know managers have never been that big in the WWE and he hasn't won this for the last three years when I've been running this award mm. uh, and so the thing that I think has differentiated his previous years from this year is he's doing more than just the Brock Lesnar stick, which he did, and he did very well, but he did the sa- like he did the same thing over and over again for, mm. you know, since like, tw- I, don't, I can't remember when he, signed, when he took on Brock Lesnar as the advocate for him, but the difference this year, I think, and one of the reasons that he stood out is because he's shown his versatility. This guy is an, an incredible promo, uh, and be- him being able to show that has, is what's just led him to dominate this award. 
Yeah, I think it's the different kind of promo he's been giving with the Roman Reigns character. For me, mm. it's exactly it, just getting over how frightened of the man he is. It just adds so much to it. Uh, it's, and it's nice to see that it, compared to the promo machine that he was for Brock Lesnar. This is such a different tact for doing it, and I'm, I'm all for it as well. And it's great to hear news of Roman Reigns shutting down crap storylines. <laughs> so it's great. Oh, just, the, just my heart's like, oh, yes, it's great to hear <laughs> that we're going to get an NXT call-up and it made no sense and it was just weird and it wasn't going to fit in at all. I was like, why would this be the case? There's no history for this. <laughs> so Roman gets it shut down. Like, yes, good on you, man. <laughs> good on you. Right, uh, move, we've got a lot of awards to get through. So moving on to the WWE Rookie of the Year. So... Uh, this one, obviously, when we say rookie, we mean new to the promotion this year. We don't mean in the world of wrestling. Otherwise, obviously, the likes of Karrion Cross and Mercedes Martinez would never be up for this award. And it, it would just be Dominic Mysterio. Because <laughs> that, that was my vote. So, rookie of the year, Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> it's not even in question. Next up, we shot see Blackheart. And looking at the voting, they are right next to each other in the votes. <laughs> so that kind of uh, does help up. Uh, to save me zooming in with my face to the camera to be able to read the stats because I'm on the streaming software. <laughs> Sam, uh, could you read out the results for the Rookie of the Year? Yeah, so Karrion Cross took it out with 28.5% of the vote. Pat McAfee came in second, 23.9%. Dominic Mysterio, very close third, 23.3%. Mm. It's only 0.6%. Um, separating these guys, which was not a lot of votes. Um, and then Shotzi Blackheart, 18.9%. Between those four, that's 95% of the vote, pretty much. So mm. these guys, you know, there was a big four in this. Mercedes Martinez, 2.3%, and that was pretty much it. I think there was a few people who got maybe one or two votes, but um, it, it really came down to these four. And you do have an interesting blend here of Karrion Cross and Shotzi Blackheart, who have very refined acts that they've worked on for many years in the indies, got brought in by NXT, and have, uh, you know sean done really well and, and be presented with those used those gimmicks that they've already created and and had those enhanced by obviously had those enhanced by the wwe production but uh you know they are those established names established wrestlers and then you've got in between them pat mcafee and dominic mysterio who of two people who had the start of this year not only were they wwe rookies they were they were they'd never <laughs> yeah. had a wrestling match before uh and yet they've come on and done amazing work fantastic mm. work a real tribute to um the wwe's the the wrestlers that they've been put against the stories that they've been booked in and the the work that's been done behind the scenes with these guys so that you know these incredibly green performers didn't look green when they mm. actually hit the ring um and obviously you know dominic mysterio he's grown up in the wrestling business um and has I mean, I don't know how much genes count for, but if, you know, he's got, if, if it counts for anything, he's got it. Um, you know, it comes from a very strong wrestling family and wrestling culture. Um, and, and Pat McAfee obviously is a fan of wrestling. Uh, but, you know, I think for me, the, the shining stars are Pat McAfee and Dominic Mysterio, not to take anything away from Karrion Cross or Shotzi Blackheart, because those guys had not had a, re they hadn't, as I said, not, not just WWE rookies, they were wrestling rookies. They had not wrestled before this year, and they managed to have great matches um, and, and were involved in great programs that didn't look like complete rookies, like I imagine you or I would if we were to step <laughs> yeah. into the ring. 
Yeah. I mean, that everything Sam just said is exactly why I voted for Dominic Mysterio. Personally, he was my pick. And yeah, I can't really add anything else to say. Exactly the reasons why I voted for him. Massively impressed by him. Uh, and even just like week to week improvement is incredible, really, to see him get to the level he's already at. Karen uh, Cross winning, I find interesting, purely because, uh, especially when I go into social media or look at the comment sections in uh, on wrestling headlines or what have you, it seems a bit split on Karen Cross. Like people either really get him or don't get him at all, which is why I find it quite interesting that he's ended up winning this category, uh, purely because. Fans do seem a bit marmite on him. Like for me personally, when I look at him, when I look at acts in NXT, I've started judging them not on which is my favourite, but which ones do I think will succeed in WWE? Uh, obviously, you got your different stuff where you do Raquel Gonzalez versus Ray Ripley. So, oh, big hoss, <laughs> get in. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm going to enjoy that. But <laughs> with this reward here, uh, it's yeah, it's more in the WWE world. Who do I think will do the best? And for me, when I was watching, oh, was Punishment Martinez's name, Damien Priest. When I watched Damien Priest and Karrion Cross in their match this week, I was like, surely those two guys are going to be stars on the main roster. They just, they both absolutely scream WWE star to me. Uh, that doesn't mean they're my favourite wrestlers. This is when I watch them and like, they're going to kill it. Surely, surely <laughs> these guys are going to be amazing. It's, it's difficult to see that not happening just because of the kind of acts that they are. So I, uh, I, I mean, I, Karen Cross to me screams like a Kevin Owens style run, where he's he has a really big the injuries probably held him back, but once he gets a little run with the NXT title, it's surely just a matter of time before he's on the main roster. There's everything about the act feels just ready, especially as he's come back from injury. Because in those first few months, obviously he was figuring out out the act a little bit, and uh, you see little weird tweaks and things, especially in his Keith Lee feud. No, <laughs> no, with the fire <laughs> fire contract thing, it's that was weird. <laughs> But since he's gone back here, it felt like they've like they've really got it, and the act just feels ready. And it, especially with the whole presentation and everything, I'm su- I'll be surprised if he's not on the main roster by the end of the year. In terms of random predictions, <laughs> I'm really surprised that Karen Cross is not on the main roster by this time we're doing the awards uh, next year. Uh, that's my wild prediction. But yeah, interesting to see that he actually won. And. That brings us to the end of our AE, uh, our WWE section for these few awards. We'll jump back to WWE for matches and things, but we're going to jump over now to AEW. And uh, yeah, time to piss off a certain section of our viewers' commenters. <laughs> what have you, by talking about the other? I don't get brand loyalty. <laughs> Not a thing for me. It's the AEW Wrestler of the Year. And Sam, do you want to run through and get amped in style for your favourite winning? Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> um, John Moxley, 46.7% of the vote. for He takes home AEW Wrestler of the Year in dominant fashion from Kenny Omega, 13.1%. Chris Jericho, 7.6%. MJF, 5.6%. And Orange Cassidy coming in fifth, 5.2%, ahead of Cody, who um, he beat by just a few votes. So Cody Rhodes not even making the graph this year, mm. which is was a surprise, but no surprise to me. <laughs> is John Moxley taking it 46.7%. As you can see, this was the first wrestling shirt I ever bought, my DA Dean Ambrose shirt. I ride and die with this man, and this year has been a career year for him. He opened the year with an incredible feud with Chris Jericho, where he fought through the inner circle one week after the other. Incredible episodic television. Had his eye injured and was 
fought week after week still uh, up until the match with Chris Jericho where he won the AEW champion. And he has had one of the great face runs in this deck. I, I think the, the greatest face championship run in the last decade. You can you can debate me on that. There's a column. You can hit me up on Twitter about that. That's what I think, and I think there's a damn good argument for it. This guy has, as a the face of AEW, has been amazing. Every week he has come in and he has delivered incredible promos. He has delivered in the ring every time he's got there. He has built other wrestlers up. You look at the people that he fought and where they've gone to after he fought them, um, and he has been an elevation machine as well as being able to elevate himself and put himself over as well. Uh, it's been a career year for John Moxley, and it's you know, I was I've I've ridden and died. I've had some hard years as a Dean Ambrose fan, <laughs> where I was going. I felt like I was banging my head against the popular consensus. But this year has not been the case. This year has been the year where everybody has just loved what John Moxley has been putting out, and for good reason. This man has been on fire this year, and well and truly deserves to win. Coming in second, of course, Kenny Omega. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of Kenny as well, as you can see, um, but. You know, I think I think 2021 will be the year of Kenny Omega. Um, I'm very happy for John Moxley. Imp, what are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome to see such a strong consensus as well. Because I, I remember seeing you just tweet about uh, your views on the title run, and obviously face uh, some people going, oh, "No," <laughs> but to see in the voting that that's exactly what people have gone for. That like, he's got such a strong voting. It's like. Uh, you can look back on your tweet and go, no, I'm vindicated now. <laughs> the people have voted with me. He <laughs> was, yeah, it's a really, really strong championship run. Uh, again, great to see a champion on top, not but like an idiot, because it's AW. This is the first face champion they've had. And it's great to see them do such a strong run for it as well. Uh, it's uh, also great to see Kenny Omega in second, in spite of killing the business by letting Alan Angels get in some offense. It's just oh a V trigger oh, kicked out my... of a V trigger. Oh, it's not. <laughs> it's not it's... Oh, how he only delivered he... like twenty to Kazisco Okada. <laughs> how dare he kick out of a transitional setup move? <laughs> how dare he? <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's uh, it seems such a strong thing for John Motsley. It's it's fantastic to see uh, people in agreement that it's been a really strong championship run, and it, for both companies, uh, their the year long champion. I've won it both times for both WWE and AEW, and it's good to see both promotions nailed it. Like at the end of the day, they both killed it with both of their top guys. So kudos, well done, well done to them. Yeah, I say AEW. It's an Yeah, in an top. era, in an era of heel. I think, as That's I said in the column I wrote, in an era of strong heel champions, um, it's great to see strong face champions mm. uh it's it's really enjoyable as a fan and look I, as i said look i'm I, I i ride and die with john moxley i i wish everyone could get this kind of year for the wrestler that they're the biggest fan of mm. john moxley's the he's he's my favorite wrestler of all time uh, and it's been incredible to see him have a year like this and i you know for people who's who are fans of different wrestlers and they might not have had this i, I really hope you can get it because it's a uh, it's it's been a really fun year um, to be a fan of wrestling and a lot of that for me is became because my boy has been you know prime mm. cent, center in the main event just killing the game and you know we, we probably will need to move on. I could wax, wax, wax lyric about this all day mm. long. 
um yeah yeah it, it's just awesome to see and and also I, I will just say cool to see mjf and orange cassidy in this mm. um you know getting squeezing their way into the yeah. uh the big four of uh aw singles wrestlers yeah completely going against the argument of aw's just former wwe or bullet club guys or elite guys sorry yes it's only those people that well Two people on our top five are neither of those things. <laughs> so, again, that's not a comment from anybody who actually watches the show. <laughs> it's like you can normally pinpoint them from when it is where it's, it's a, I call it like the catchphrase kind of thing, like the does in the impact zone. <laughs> like you can think of the uh, kind of critique for AEW and go, that's not from somebody who watches the show because it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's just not a thing. And it's good to see like two people climbing and climbing and climbing and like this week I put it out when I was watching because NXT was an amazing show I gave a glowing review however when I turned on AEW this week it was just I think I put it as like I just felt calm and happy like there was nothing in terms of what was my favourite show of the week there was nothing complicated or analytical or technically this match was better about it I was just happy and uh, the, it felt weird <laughs> I don't know to, just to sit down and watch a wrestling show and I just felt content and happy and uh, one of the things that highlighted for me on that show was MJF, after Jake Hager had lost his match, MJF went up and consoled him and like, oh, you're making me care about them in the inner circle. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, that's great to see. You're not just doing wrestling angle. I know how this goes. He's going to break the inner circle apart. <laughs> this is a wrestling angle. It's like, no, that's, that's great to see. <laughs> anyway, you do need to move on before I like start just fanboying about the random crap that AW setting up. <laughs> so... Uh, next up is the We can AEW. take our dunks when we get to promotion of the year, Imp. Uh, yes, that's a point, yes. <laughs> if we've still got energy by the time we're at those final awards, <laughs> which is a while away. <laughs> but yes, the AEW Tag Team of the Year, and I'm immediately off the image, yes. 100% in agreement. Yeah, Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Amazing matches during their run, including my personal AEW Match of the Year. But, so Sam, as you've got the more pinpointed stats, and of course I have to go like this to be able to read it. <laughs> so, so what are <laughs> what are the statistics, statistics uh, for so, the year? Yeah, as you can see, Adam, Adam Page and Kenny Omega took out 28% of the vote, closely followed by FTR, 25.6, and the Young Bucks, 20.5. So very much the big three tag teams there. No surprise that those guys shone out um, in just fourth and fourth and fifth place lucha brothers 5.6 percent and jurassic express on 3.9 um yeah look kenny omega and adam page were my favorite similarly to with bailey and sasha i loved that they used the tag um the tag teams to further their story and you know what sometimes singles wrestlers getting together particularly singles stars of the caliber of adam page and kenny omega who are real you know they are top level stars in aew mm. uh them getting together and going into the tag division can be a sign of a, a failing or flagging division. It can be bad for the division's health to see that. You know, for every, I don't know, like Owen Hart and Yoko Zina, Zuna or Chris Jericho and Big Show, there's like, you know, well, Big Show and, and The Miz or MVP and Mark Henry, you know, just things <laughs> oh, that Mark Henry. <laughs> shouldn't be there. Ooh. That that was a tag team, <laughs> uh, but these guys went in there and they bolstered the tag team division. Um, they and they used their partnership to further their feud, to further the stories of FTR and the Young Bucks in this um, in in the company, to further you know to build up other tag teams around them as well, and had absolute banger matches from top to bottom. Um, you know, 
obviously the match with the Young Bucks, we're going to talk about that later, but great match with SCU on the boat um, to, to win the Tag Team Championships. Killer match with the Lucha Brothers. Um, they were involved in a number of multi-man matches as well. Um, great match with FTR where they finally lost the title. Uh, you know, they had a great match with Jurassic Express where Kenny Omega absolutely destroyed Marco Stunt and I want to see them fight again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, these guys, you know, they they have plenty of history as a, as a um, you know, teammates and um, stable mates together. So it makes sense that they would tag team to get tag together and have such great chemistry, but they, they knocked it out of the park. Um, absolutely, you know, on fire all year as, as a tag team FTR coming in very high hopes, um, very high expectations. And, you know, they may not have, you know, uh, they, I feel like I would say that the young bucks have shown that they are the great greatest tag team of this generation. Um, and have proved that when you compare the FTR and the young bucks run, that's my opinion. Um, but FTR have still done fantastically, you know, as champions, they had weak weekly matches. They had the weekly, um, the weekly challenge. I think they called it a brush with greatness or something. (laughs) something And have just been, you know, it's been really fun to watch them as characters as well, get to to flesh themselves out. And one thing that I love in their in all their um all of their matches, they're always looking for ways that they can make they call themselves, you know, this amazing tag team, you know, the greatest tag team. These these workmen like people who'll just cut you down as a team, but they're always looking to like cheat their way into some sort of advantage even before things happen so for example they um you know they as part of their contract want a tag team appreciation night where everyone except themselves wrestled you know just to tire out the other teams and potentially injure one of the other teams you know they're always doing something like that um where you know it's they say they're one thing but in actual fact they're another and that just makes them great heels um so yeah really enjoyed seeing uh ftr finally you know take get unchained and have the foot to the floor um with the accelerator pedal uh you know really really great run uh in aw this year i'll let you blather let you wax some (laughs) lyrics about these guys (laughs) Uh, well we'll that top freaked out a little bit but the audio shouldn't have stopped (laughs) so uh yeah even if if you see sam pause the audio will continue (laughs) yeah it's the detriment of doing it on a laptop during lockdown. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but yeah, so uh, totally agree with everything that Sam just said. And uh, with uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega especially, uh, they, for me they had such a string of amazing matches. And as Sam pointed out uh, for one of the awards earlier, just how important story is for following, I guess, a, a kind of tag teams and things, a story for the wrestling. It's a lot of it is about the story. And Hangman Page and Kenny Omega... As in, when we said before, because it was difficult to explain to fans who'd only watched WWE what we meant by long-term storytelling, and like, I'd attempted it in the past to refer to Tetsuya Naito and Kazuchika Okada. That was kind of my pinpoint of, it took Naito four years. <laughs> that story was four years to then lose again. <laughs> that was that story. However, with uh, so that's, but there's no point of reference to anything like that in WWE. When it's long story, to them, long form storytelling is telling the story for a long time, as in the same story with no break for a long time. No, no. <laughs> as the AW has shown, you don't have to have the same wrestlers in the ring wrestling each other every single week for the story to continue, because they're the same characters. 
You don't have them have to have them interact every every bleeding moment of the every single time. So it's uh, yeah, it's been really told really really well, and they're still telling it. Case in point, they're telling the story still right now, even though Hangman Page wasn't on the show. Wait, no, was he on the show this week? I don't think he was. I think I think he was on the show this week. No, no, he wasn't. But they're still no. telling the story, and I was watching the uh, Vessel Talk review for AW this week, and somebody suggested something. It's like, oh yes, <laughs> it was just. What do you do with the actual kind of dynamics of the factions right now in AEW, with the super elite being born at the end of this week's show? Uh, how, where do you go from there? Well, to come off of Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, surely it's got to be Hangman Page, and now there's no way in hell the Dark Order could can be healed anymore. It's just it's just not going to happen. So who <clears> become? So who who is currently in a little storyline with the Dark Order? Who's got a little history with Kenny Omega? Who's got a little history with the Bullet Club? <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, what if Hangman Page goes after the title with his dark, new Dark Order friends? <laughs> it's just like, oh, it works on so many levels. <laughs> it's just the, and that's kind of what we mean by long-term storytelling. It's just you suddenly look into the, you look into the past to be able to decide the future, and that's what's been missing from WWE for me because it's the comic book storytelling. You drop the last story when you move on to the next one. You, you you keep the kind of the character stuff that's grown, but a lot of the relationships and things they're then brought up for convenience later. They're not they don't influence the next thing. So you, you it, I guess in terms of unpredictability, that means often you can't predict who will be the next person for them to wrestle, which is why the fiend Randy Orton feels different because there's precedent for it. It's based off of history. Um, I just realised I said that isn't in WWE, but yeah, case in point, it is in WWE right at this moment. <laughs> so it's good again massive improvements this year especially on the main roster and that's one of the kind of examples for me if you like if you don't like uh don't like the feud to be honest the stuff with alexa bliss this past couple of weeks pretty crap <laughs> but they're using history and building it forward to actually do something with it and uh, but in aw we've seen that as in this is exactly what we were talking about when we tried to explain long-term storytelling but we can now show it you one year later when it's actually been happening this is what we meant and it's fantastic to see, and it's essentially exciting. And you know, like the first well. time, the the first time, I, just to round this out, I guess we're talking about long term story. Like the first time, I disagree that WWE can't do it because these two guys here put on a pretty <laughs> pretty damn good long term story, if I may say so. Um, read my anyway. <laughs> I'll stop plugging my columns here. I get on once a year, and I just turn into plug machine. Read okay. my columns. Um, <laughs> But, like, with Adam Page and Kenny Omega, I think the thing that I like is the dynamic, the ongoing dynamic between them where, like, you know, at, at first it looked like Adam Page was going to be the one that would, would turn on Kenny Omega um, at Revolution, and it looked like that's the way things were angling, but it didn't happen. Mm. And and the relationships kind of ebb and flow. They're not always set in, in concrete um, with how with who is, and it ended up, turned out, turned out Kenny Omega was the asshole after all. <laughs> um, um, you know, who, who didn't want to have anything to do with Adam Page once they were done. Uh, we've, we've talked a lot about this, so I think we probably should move on, but yeah, look, as you can see, because me and him just keep keep where we would talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, these the two the story these guys told, and it's because they were you know what they did this while they were having an awesome tag team run. Um, that's why they've won this year, and I'm glad that they did. Uh, well and truly deserved. So moving on to and again, there wasn't really much competition in the WWE version, but on the AEW version for the non wrestling personality of the year. 
Taz staring us all down with his evil baddie face. <laughs> uh, Taz winning it, uh, a run of commentary and a referee in Aubrey Edwards making the list as well. And that's another case of point where when AW started, it's a what do you mean they're going to give referees personalities? What kind of indie crap is that? <laughs> and then again, us being New Japan fans, <laughs> I mean, like, no, like, like you mark out one, like, good on your red shoes, that, that type of thing. <laughs> They've got characters and personalities. In WWE, they are, yeah, a characterless shirt, robot shirt. It could, it could be a Robot Wars referee. It could be like that. If anyone remembers in Robot Wars when they introduced the referee, <laughs> that was a bad robot. <laughs> but it's they're essentially that. But in AW, their characters and things, and again, people who've watched the indies, who've watched other wrestling other than that, especially in New Japan as well. Like Even Impact did it a little bit when they gave character to Rudy Charles for a bit. And it's, yeah, it's it's great to see Aubrey Edwards making this list. I know I know Taz has won. I'm talking about who's come fourth. But I just find that as like a key thing. Like the the attention and the kind of depth for every single person that appears on the roster has got something different about them, and that includes the referees and the commentators, as you can see, all getting nominated. Uh, but the winner is Taz. So Sam, do you want to? I've realised I've not actually gone through the stats. <laughs> if you want to go through the numbers. Just uh, before we do, do you think uh, if if I'd put this out, if I'd, you know, I started the voting on this, I think it was like the 18th of December. Um, if, you know, I'd waited a few weeks, I could probably put Sting mm. in the non-wrestling personalities of the year. And he could have beaten Taz like he does every damn week on AEW. <laughs> and it's stupid. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Taz takes out. I hate this goddamn snow. I hate this goddamn snow. Yeah. I'm going to be laughing. 25%. Uh, Taz takes it out at 25%. Jim Ross in second, 16.6%. Tony Schiavone, 15.2%. Aubrey Edwards, 10.2%. And then Jake Roberts, 9.6%. Um, yeah, look, a, 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 an even split across this. I, I really, you know, to, to get into some of the lower placing ones, my personal pick would be Tony Schiavone. Schiavone because I just love the enthusiasm he has. He's, a, you know, he's kind of like where Jim Ross... Uh, and Tony Schiavone have a lot of energy, um, but Jim Ross is often grumpy, whereas Tony Schiavone defaults... Jim Ross defaults to grumpiness. Tony <laughs> Schiavone defaults to enthusiasm, and I just love that. Um, I love how he's so excited about everything. Um, Jim Ross, look, as a, he, he says some some stupid stuff and sometimes he is his own worst enemy, but there's no doubt that he still adds a bit of gravitas and... You know, I've been talking about Moxley, and Jim Ross is a big part of what's made John Moxley special um, in the way that he's announced him and, and built him up. But yeah, look, Taz is a fair winner here. He has been probably the most featured of the non wrestling personalities, particularly mm. on the mic. Uh, and why wouldn't you feature him when you've got someone who's as good on the mic as he is? Uh, and, you know, he's got this team of killers around him now. Darby Allen, not Darby Allen, that's who he's fusing with, Sam. <laughs> um, Brian, Cage, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, um, Will Power, whatever his name is, and, and now his son Hook, um, who's an absolute goon. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, look, well deserved here with Tazzy's. You know, he's cut great promos every week, built built up a number of wrestlers he's been going against and built up these wrestlers that he's got, you know, in his, in his little squad, in his Team Taz. Yeah, he's, 
I really, again, as I was talking about it making me laugh with uh, Touts just wrapping on about how much he hates snow <laughs> from this week's one. It's goddamn snow. But yeah, he's, he's been really, really entertaining. And I think a showing thing from it is seemingly every company that's hired him this past decade or so has just put him into commentary or something like that. There was the uh, reveal on the, what were they called? The bikers, aces and eights, that was it. <laughs> to think this that was this decade, that is mental. <laughs> but yeah so that's the closest we came but he was still like not really featured and then they just did it so they could have a heel commentator and uh, whenever he's done WWE work it's been that as well for a little while so to see him go into this position and absolutely nail it and it, it, he came across immediately as one of the kind of people there's quite a few people like Arn Anderson uh, like uh, Jake Roberts which is also nominated for this who's pure pure presence Tully Tully Blanchard that's the other one I'm trying to remember it, just in terms of their presence is all about getting the current crop of talent over. And I think, my, again, something about Team Taz, like they're all new names to, I guess, mainstream wrestling television. And they've got the rookie in Will Hobbs. They've got the, I want to say super rookie. I mean, uh, he's he's the rookiest of the rookie in Hook <laughs> as well, in terms of his son. Like, it's, it's, it's great to see that as well. And uh, yes, obviously, at some point, they're going to have to stop being scared of Sting in the snow, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me, for me, those uh, angles are more about getting over Sting and Darby Allin's, uh, when I say relationship, I mean, whatever it is that they've got going on. Um, this, yeah, kind of building that up. But, of course, yeah, and no uh, no, uh, no bad feelings for Sam for getting accidentally calling Brian Cage Darby Allin. They are at least wrestling next week. <laughs> so at least the names are associated. <laughs> Not the biggest slip. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's awesome to see Taz win this because he has been fantastic. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's great to see managers killing it on the wrestling telly show again. It's been a while. It's great to see. The closest we've had, I guess, is Gado, <laughs> I guess, with Kazu. Or, oh, well. Taka, Come on, Ramaka! Right, Taka, no, Taka, Taka with Zack Sabre Jr. I love that pairing. <laughs> that was so good. I know it doesn't technically count because <laughs> Taka was wrestling. But oh, that poem was so good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Right, next up is the AW Rookie of the Year. And uh, obviously, uh, Brody Lee winning this out uh, in the category of somebody with lots of experience coming in to elevate the entire you know, people around him. And apparently, yeah, apparently the spirit he gave backstage and everything. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a relatively late surge. I can't remember when he, when did he, when did he pass away. I can't remember. Christmas mucks me up. Yeah. 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 So I won't be surprised. I can, like I can count it down. So yeah, Brody Lee took this out 23.4% of the vote. Eddie Kingston, 16.3% of the vote. FTR, 9.5. Brian Cage, 6.7. Matt Hardy, 6.2%. Um, so I can, I see, I see the votes as they come in and it actually gives me a graph so I can see where people are sitting percentage wise. And he was pretty close with Eddie Kingston. So him and Eddie mm. Kingston had been going kind of going back and forth with first and second. Um, but look, once once the sad news of Brody Lee passing away um, came out, he flew ahead. And, you know, I don't want to put it down to him dying that he won this mm. award. Because as I said, he, yeah, he, um, mm. he deserved this award in his own right. If he was still around today, um, he would... He deserved this. The programs that he was in, he took the Dark Order from a throwaway that people hated. People used the Dark Order to beat... AEW over the head to they used it they held it against AEW and he took it and made it a serious faction had an incredible match with Moxley that's my match of the year by the way spoilers for later <laughs> um 
my mm. singles match of the year for AEW. Brody Lee, incredible match where he just looked like I, I liken that match to him looking like the Terminator, where mm. John Moxley is just doing everything he can to this thing, and it just keeps on coming forward. He, you know, hit him with chairs. He put him through a table. He dirty deeds him through the uh, through the entrance ramp, and this thing just kept crawling out. And it, for Moxley, it was like, what can I do to kill this monster? Then had an incredible run against Cody Rhodes, like one of the mm. hottest feuds um, of the year. Uh, and finished things with the dog collar match, which was just an incredible match. Probably one of the best matches of Brody Lee's yeah, career. My favourite of all of them you is know, the dog collar. Who yeah. else can say mm. that they literally, they went out on the hottest program they've ever been in. Mm. Um, and to just to, to give you and the listeners a bit of a heads up, I'm actually going to rename this award the Brody Lee AEW Rookie of the Year award, not just because he won it, but because of how he also elevated other rookies. Um, you know, so Anna Jay came in seventh. She mm. was she was given the confidence to to do as well as she did by Brody Lee. If John Silver hadn't wrestled last year, I'm sure he would have featured in this. And he was given the confidence to do that by Brody Lee. Brody Lee, from all accounts, inspired people backstage. So he, th- this will now be known as the the Brody Lee AEW Rookie of the Year award. Um, in, before we get into the others, just do you have anything to say about Brody Lee? He, for me, always came across as somebody because I, I knew of him before he came, and I knew he was one of the people who had done some stuff with John Moxley and stuff. Um, I didn't watch it until like post uh, post WWE career starting. Uh, but knew of him, and uh, the thing that really kind of changed my perception on him was watching Up Up Down Down, and he would just come in and just chill with them. And like one of my like one of the first things that came to my head when I heard of his passing was remembering him coming into I think they were just doing like uh, I forgot what it's called the manager mode on one of the SmackDown vs Raw games, and he just came in with his kids and just started mucking about, and <laughs> I can't remember which kid it was. Just started making loads of ruckus and noises and things, and so Brody started use, just coming in to irritate the two of them. But it's just, just the family spirit he just brought in by just existing with them in that room. Um, it's just one of the. It's just yeah, really. Again, I don't know. When he came in, he like he he heartwarmed the place, kind of thing. You could just sense it, and uh, that was the first thing I thought of when I heard of his passing. Just just that little moment on up up down down. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like, you saw it immediately, just the amount of love that came out. And in AW, that absolutely, when I say show the best show they've done, I mean it in a, it's a completely different vein. Because like every other week, I'm thinking, this is the best show they've done. But the tribute show was just of a different kind of best show. Like, it's more like out of respect. It was like, something else. Yeah, like out of respect, I don't want to judge the wrestling type of thing. Like, it's as a tribute show, it's one of the best I've ever seen. Because um, like we're not used to a promotion going all out like that, and it was an amazing dedication. Can't applaud it enough. Mm. It hit, it made you laugh, it made you cry, it gave you all the. Emo- it was I described BTE that week as cathartic. Uh, I feel like Dynamite that week as well, the tribute show. Uh, those two things paired together were exactly what the what everybody needed, uh, from fans to people involved, people who knew him or whatever. It hit every note perfectly. Uh, obviously, it sucks. It's sad, but uh, they've they've seemed to honour him in a, in a fantastic way. Especially, and the thing, one thing that everybody zoned in on was starting every single dynamite from now on with it's Wednesday. You know what that means. So yeah, and 
all down for renaming this award the AW Brody League Rookie of the Year. And yeah, it, winning it obviously. Uh, it's him and Eddie Kingston at the top. I think that says a lot about the kind of people that are up for this. Because as a, as a great as to see Anna J get so high on this, she's been wrestling what like I don't even know if it's been a year yet. It's insane. Like <laughs> to say the um, amount of confidence that was given to her and the amounts that she's improving by. I don't even. It's not even been a year, which is incredible. Like, I can't even remember when she debuted, but I want to say it was at the current location, so it must have been during lockdown when she actually debuted for AW. It was during the lockdown series, mm. yeah. She she had a match with Hikaru Shida. Mm. And that's like, that's mental to think that she's improving at that rate and finishes seventh, <laughs> just to show uh, the amount of influence. Yeah. Had. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah, one of, one of the things well, I wanted to, to bring up was that I with this award, I, I'm not really sure what to do with it. Mm. Um, you know, I almost feel like we need to split it into two, where you've got, you know, the Brody Lees, the FTRs, who, you know, mm. they are not rookies. They're well-known commodities. Yeah. Who This is their first year in AEW, so that's why they qualify for Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, whereas coming in, so I'd say in terms of the... Eddie Kingston is probably rightfully the Rookie of the Year in terms of someone who hasn't got any sort of... But he's been around forever, but mm. he's you know come on like a storm, um, and and hasn't been exposed on a major level until now. And look out, man, he's he's mm. been incredible. Um, and then you've got so Thunder Rosa came in sixth, Anna Jay came in seventh, Ricky Starks in eighth, um, and then tenth was Wardlow, eleventh Abaddon. So that's sort of where the more what you'd call the traditional rookies have come in. Um, Eddie Kingston, I mean. From the minute he stepped out, out from the curtain, um, mm. in, opposite Cody Rhodes, he has been on fire. Lit Cody Rhodes on fire. He's lit John Moxley on fire. He's <laughs> now, you know, busy lighting Pack on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm. Just what, what a revelation! And fans of Eddie Kingston are like, "I told you, I told you, <laughs> yeah. I told you." <laughs> and I seen mm. him on NWA, and I was like, "Man, this guy." Can Hawk, mm. but even you know, seeing him show up on AEW, it's been a treat, mm. absolute treat. Yeah, he an absolute revelation. And to say he's, I don't know, if he's not even been in the promotion half a year yet. It's, <laughs> it came in during the summer, oh, absolutely wow. killed it in his match with Cody Rhodes. And ever since, and we can say Rhodes now. There's a little addition from this year that might <laughs> just get dropped off. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it, yeah, incredible first year for Eddie Kingston. It's fantastic to see just immediately everybody's going on. Yeah, this man is highly respected from the get go, and uh, yeah, as you can see, massively influential backstage. Just like uh, I guess Matt Hardy's made this list as well. Another vet who's come in and his sole purpose is elevating those around him. I see a lot of the because of what's happening in WWE with Goldberg. Immediately this week, there's been arguments about Sting and his presence in AEW. Miss me with that take, please. <laughs> yeah, because immediately I'm like, but so far for me, what I've seen for Sting is his entire purpose has been about elevating Darby Allin. That's my and Team Taz, I guess a bit, but at the moment Team Taz is getting just not that. <laughs> I'm seeing long term they'll get to hit him down a bit, but yeah, I feel like his entire purpose is to elevate Darby Allin. Just the way that they're doing that. And it's great to see all of these vets come in and their specific purpose is elevating those around him, around them. And uh, FTR, next week they're wrestling uh, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. And uh, 
yes, Jungle Boy's going to be coming out to Tarzan Boy. Or Tarzan. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> it's like, again, a fan of his on the indies <laughs> to see. Uh, uh, yes, yes, it works. It's good. The whole crowd, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it sucks. It's not going to be in front of a massive loud like live crowd all singing Jungle Boy. <laughs> Tarzan. Tarzan Boy. Uh, yeah, I keep calling the song Jungle Boy. That's how, that's how tied to it <laughs> I am as a wrestling fan. Uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on to the wider category of the global slash indie. As Sam said, I'm trying to think of something to do with it, but of course you have to draw the line somewhere. So global slash indies, like everything else. So the wrestler of the year, very very tight. And uh, more, most often, this is the award where um, you kind of it hits you. Not a lot of the visitors versus headlines necessarily watch outside the top two promotions of America. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an American site. It makes sense. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. But of course, this is where me and Sam have our little discussion and normally just nominate somebody who's not on the list. <laughs> so, the winner of Global Slash Indie Wrestler of the Year is Will Ospreay, but seemingly just. So, have you got the pinpoint mm. stats for this, Sam? Yeah, so Will Ospreay, 10.6% of the vote. Nick Aldis, 10.2% of the vote. Kota Ibushi, 9.3% of the vote in third. And then Thunder Rosa, 8.6% of the vote in fourth. There was 20 votes in between the first and fourth Ooh. position. So when I was tweeting out that every single vote counts and there's some big categories <laughs> that are going to be decided by a handful mm. of votes, this was one of them. This was so <laughs> close. Um, mm. At different points, Kota Ibushi was leading. At different points, Nick Aldis was leading. But in the end, once the votes were settled, Will Ospreay squeaked out. Um, squeaked out the rest of them. Uh, you know, Will Ospreay had a hell of a year. Started the year um, against Hiromu Takahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. Had a really great match, which has a lot of love for with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, in Rev Pro. Then um, went into a few... Well, in lockdown, he, he had to stay in, in England for quite a while, but then came into the G1, had a really good G1, um, was one of the one of the many MVPs of that tournament, uh, and used it as a platform to slowly show that he's changing, and then on the final show, he turned on Kazuchika Okada, created his own faction, um, Empire, and... Going it went into Wrestle Kingdom, which was just this last few weeks, um, just last week, uh, and you know will be in contention for 2021 match with Kazuchika Okada um, to you know sort of round out that feud. I think he is going to be a very strong proposition for this this year, um, given that he has a faction at his back and already has a match with Kazuchika Okada under his belt. But you know a big big 2020 for Will Ospreay. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's also a year that he saw his fan perception get uh, massively damaged as well with the whole speaking out movement, and he was one of the names uh, associated with somebody associated. Um, yeah, and, there was, and yeah. was later exonerated, um, just to put yeah. it out there before, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And obviously, when those things happen, your fan perception gets absolutely damaged. And for me, this is kind of evidence mm. that, uh, like, the wrestling Twitter world, it's just a small percentage. Uh, this is, I feel like it kind of... Even though like, most wrestling fans on Twitter will be aware of it, obviously the fans who voted in this have still put him up there. Like he's really high up as well. Um, obviously, I personally, like, there's a lot of names on here that might have done better if it weren't for lockdown. And I think I put with Osprey on that list to begin with, because just because the amount of time NJPW were out of action, I just assumed something. Of course, the amount the world as well. To be fair, 
But uh, the likes of NWA, so Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa especially. Thunder Rosa has obviously been massively helped by AEW and her amazing run so far there. But NWA just not being able to produce anything has massively hurt. Like Nick Aldis finishing second in spite of that. He had an, he, that was a surprise to me. Like person, like he was doing fantastic work with NWA, especially as like one of their top guys. Uh, just amazing stuff. However, uh, yeah, surprised me. I because obviously New Japan's my number one baby. <laughs> so it's it, obviously only seeing Kota Ibushi make that list. It's like oh, that's a shame because New Japan did do really, really well. And I guess another name for me would be Jay White, specifically because he didn't come back till the G One. Uh, that's he was only really active for the like, two months at the start and then three months at the end. So it like hit like that's why I put Nick Aldis in that same bracket as Jay White. So like maybe he would have got more votes if he, Nick Aldis could have won this if it weren't for lockdown. And the fact he got that high means uh, it, it must have been respected for what he was doing as like the top guy of NWA before it. Then obviously not had anything, and now the titles are featured on AEW. Which, uh, yeah, good for AEW to kind of keep the brand's name alive for when they do eventually return, whenever it is. Uh, but yeah, personally, I think my vote did go to Jay White, just because he won me over so strongly in the G1, and then to see his he work He was so now, good in the G1. And uh, as Sam's saying, uh, hopefully you get to see your favourites uh, have that amazing breakout year that you got with John Moxley this year. And this year, that seems to be a Bushi fans. However, I think I'm slowly becoming a Jay White one. This is not the year <laughs> to become a Jay White fan and expect anything good. <laughs> this is the year he has a full-on... Assuming he stays with New Japan, <laughs> which is, as we're recording this, as we're doing it live, we're in the middle of, like, it's the week where he did that amazing blowing of the lines promo, and it's... it's it's There's rumours coming out, it's 50-50, whether he does extend his contract at the end of February. However, my massive assumption is it's just fantastic and amazing character work by Jay White using kind of real life like angers in the current situation uh like being made to wrestle i guess in a country where the stats are going up and he's putting his life on the line to do this uh and for what kind of response <laughs> and to just uh, let all of that out in his promo it was amazing um so he's kicking off 2020 in incredible fashion but for me it's it's still character work even if it's a, if even if i'm rating it as incredible stuff it, it's still you know, character work <laughs> It's um, yeah. This year was meant to be the year of Jay White, but instead they told the story of failure. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, not the year <laughs> to become a to be totally won over by him. Uh, but yeah, incredible work from Jay White. That's why he was my personal choice. Uh, what was your personal choice for global indie? Uh, so I, man, I oscillated between two guys um, many times, and I think in different polls I voted for different different ones <laughs> so they were shingo takagi and hiromu oh. takahashi mm. uh so in new japan people who are fans of new japan will know this well that the heavyweight scene was a pretty mixed bag sorry the the, the main event scene was a bit mm. of a mixed bag this year with um you know some real disappointments if i'm honest uh in terms of the performances of some of the guys in uh in the main event scene which has usually been new japan strength and shingo takagi and hiromu takahashi have been the pillars of the other divisions, the never overweight division, um, which Shingo Takagi um, was the the main guy in for uh, most of the year, and Hiromu Takahashi for the junior division. So they were my two picks. Uh, just before we move on to the next one, I will just say it was really good to see, and I love seeing all year the every every year with these awards 
how diverse the selections are mm. um, because you can type in whoever you want. And there were 39 wrestlers receiving votes in this category. So it's always cool. And across so mm. many different promotions, um, it's always cool um, to, to see, you know, how broad people's tastes are who come to wrestling headlines. Uh, you know, we do have a big WWE and AEW fan base, of course, but mm. there's people who watch everything under the sun. Um, you know, names I had even heard of, let alone <laughs> thought of as wrestlers of the year. Mm. Um, so that was always great to see. 39 wrestlers receiving votes in this category mm. uh, before we move on to tag team. Yeah, I will just give a shout out to uh, the former Leo Rush. Uh, I think it's Leo Green or Leon Green. It's one of those two. He's going by now. Uh, he's been, for me, absolutely killing it since he's um, gone, uh, since he left WWE. He's now currently, I think, doing MLW stuff. Uh, yeah, doing yeah, really, really well. So. Yeah, so uh, a little shout out there just because, uh, uh, and uh, of course, great to see Rich One making it as well for the Impact stuff as well. Uh, Impact has, outside of the Tessa Blanchard stuff, an amazing year. Which is, uh, yeah, really, was that this year? It must have been, yeah, a brain fart. It was. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this year, it's warped all time. I think you go back and look, like, Sam had to tell me, no, John Moxley's Suzuki did happen. <laughs> it was a match we watched. <laughs> that no was this year. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to the global indie tag team of the year and one of Imp's favourite tag teams from 10 years ago wins out in 2020. <laughs> the Motor City Machine Guns and their 2009 Impact Rivals. <laughs> the Young... Oh, no, we've got, uh, the, uh, going up against the Young Bucks, hopefully soon. We've got, we've got the relationship with Impact. I've, again, that's one of my calls, is we get City Motor City Machine Guns versus Young Bucks. Now that the Young Bucks are the team on top and everybody's favourite, whilst Machine Guns are. <laughs> yes, that's not great. Uh, but yeah, the Good Brothers finishing second, the North afterwards, great to see the North getting so high, and then G.O.D., who, again, might have been higher were it not for the circumstances where they've not really wrestled that much, uh, and then there's the Briscoes as well, similarly affected. Uh, but was this was this tight, or is this as kind of decreasing as the graph shows? Uh, yeah, decreasing as the graph shows. Motor City Machine Guns, 23.3%. The Good Brothers, 21.4%. The North, 16.6%. Gorillas 13 on the nose, um, and then the Briscoes 9.7%, so just below the 10 um, that has listed them there as the yeah look this is a category that's been dominated by impact which is kind of cool to see mm. getting you know a number of veteran tag teams around and putting them against each other in different combinations is, is something that people want to see and you know that's good for them i i honestly haven't watched any impact um beyond the show that kenny omega appeared at <laughs> so look i can't i can't say that i know a lot about what's going on there um i definitely know the names of these guys and good you know that that's awesome that impact are doing so well and have made such an impact mm. in this category hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh you've waited <laughs> until an hour and 15 into the show <laughs> planning, planning yeah. that one for a week <laughs> uh, but but yeah uh, for me personally it was the north i i really really like the north uh, for me it's a massive shame that ethan page has uh, left impact now because uh, those two, there's rumours he's going to W. I say rumours going to WWE. It, all we know is he's left Impact. <laughs> so the assumption is, oh, is he gets snapped. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, so his contract has run out and he's not renewed it. Uh, so you're f hard to kill. You watch Karate Man versus Ethan Page. Uh, little spoilers. Ethan Page is Karate Man. <laughs> so that's that's going to be interesting to see how they do that. <laughs> I think the entire storyline was like, he's like, no, I'm not Karate Man. 
Like, what are you talking about? No, I'm Ethan Page. <laughs> so they've done a match where it's Karate Man versus Ethan Page. <laughs> so really interesting to see how they do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they shot somebody at the last pay-per-view. So the, the bar, the bar's been lifted <laughs> for what random crap can they do? Uh, but yeah, it's great to see Impact getting this because they have generally built up a relatively strong um, run of tag teams to do this like every few years because we were talking about Lucha Bros versus LAX that was that was an Impact match not that long ago and they, like, they slowly built up their division and then they're so good to get snapped up and then they build them up again and they're in this era again of them having built up a great division and immediately <laughs> getting snapped up so poor Impact Impact's become the NXT of the indie scene <laughs> but it's <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, generally, it's, it's great to see that many. And obviously, Motor Team Machine Guns, my favourite tag team of 2009. <laughs> so it's great to see them back together again. <laughs> Having Mirandering a fair bit, Alex Shelley entering another favourite tag team of the Time Splitters. Uh, and yes, I know it's a Back to the Future thing, but I always think of Time Splitters from the PlayStation 2. <laughs> my favourite video game series. <laughs> so, that was a good game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to. Uh, no tangent. <laughs> I was about to explain what I why I enjoyed it so much. It's like, no, we've got enough awards as it is. Uh, so let's move on to the global indie non wrestling personality of the year. This looks like a runaway and feels fully deserved. Because again, this is a scene which has been massively hurt and damaged by the lockdown era. Uh, with the whole pandemic, just shows haven't been able to run, and when they have, has been on a much smaller scale. And uh, Don Callis obviously had his work cut out for him both, and now both in front of the camera and behind it. Uh, the relationship between AW and Impact has got fans immediately excited, and it feels like the buzz hasn't died down yet, because that was my worry. That week one would be this big thing, and people would tune into Impact, and then after that, the whole, it would just fizzle back down to normal, because that's the momentum I've become used to in wrestling. It's still there. It's still there. The kind of excitement for Hard to Kill is built and uh, the kind of little teasers they're doing, integrating Impact into AW a little bit more with the Good Brothers as well. But Don Callis, yeah, all the applause, uh, whilst also doing commentary for a- for Impact the entire time. <laughs> so well done, Don. Yeah, he did well in this award last year as well. I don't think he took it out from memory. Um, I'd have to get my, my sheet up for that. But yeah, look, almost similar to the WWE, the way the WWE one panned out. You know, you've got a guy who's suddenly got themselves on the coattails of the hottest guy in the company. Um, and, you know, Don Callis is more than holding his own in that. I think... Uh, John Moxley gave him the wrestler of the year. John Moxley um, gave him a great description when he said he felt like a used car salesman, which is exactly the vibe. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I think the highlight for the year for me with Don Callis was uh, when Kenny Omega had that match with Joey Janela and he just picked up a microphone and started talking and was uh, talking while Kenny Omega was dominating and just brutalizing and embarrassing um, <laughs> the, uh, um, Joey Janela <laughs> on, on AEW Dynamite. Um, yeah, 45.7% of the vote. Took this one from Josh Matthews, 15.4%, to Kevin Kelly, 7.8%, um, the New Japan commentator. Red Shoes Ono, the uh, 
beloved, as you can see, he <laughs> featured in this last year as well. Um, the beloved New Japan referee, Red Shoes Ono, 5.1%. Uh, and then Gato um, coming in at 4.3%. Unfortunately, my pick for the year, Gino Gambino, uh, did <laughs> not come Gino. in <laughs> to the top five. Uh, oh, love some Gino. Justice for Gino. Poor fella couldn't get to, because of Australia's lockdown laws, couldn't get to quarantine laws and stuff, couldn't get um, mm. out to be at Wrestle Kingdom this year, which was sad. So, oh, and even uh, after but, you he, know, he liked my tweet about the bingo card for the Evil Sonata match. Even even after that, <laughs> I then forgot to play the game. <laughs> I was too busy making notes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, I, I, I sh- hopefully somebody played it. <laughs> I put I got the word out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can't remember who I voted for. Uh, but also, uh, no dick Togo. <laughs> it was. Uh, I will say, no great wire. I, was like, I really enjoyed Dick Togo's performance at the Wrestle Kingdom. It wasn't in 2020. It wasn't up for these awards. <laughs> but I re- especially his uh, his bump in the form of an elbow drop off the table. Uh, the table. I thought oh, that was amazing. I loved that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I was just generally surprised by how much I enjoyed that match, to be fair. Uh, I, had, I had to watch it in post because I, I know you had internet problems whilst Wrestle Kingdom was uh, airing. I also my internet yeah my internet cut out during Evil Sonata's entrances. Then I got I finally got the stream back, and then my laptop crashed. <laughs> so then I had to get back, and I, I turned it back on for the ending. It's like, well, Jan's going to have to cover the hard work for this review. <laughs> so not seen it. <laughs> so that's a shame. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, no Dick Togo. He's been a big part, a big character, but I can see why maybe Dick Togo doesn't get many nominations but um not in a positive way mm, yeah <laughs> the less said the less said about him the better so let's let's move on to the uh the match category so yes. that, that first part was what i call like the wrestlers category where we talk about the wrestlers mm. the rookies the non-wrestlers now we're moving on to the matches so to kick things off the wwe singles match of the year and coming in first aj styles versus the undertaker at wrestlemania with 20.8 percent of the vote the last no, the Boneyard. Sorry, I was going to call it the last ride. The Boneyard match. Um, coming in second, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, 12.1%. And Finn Balor versus Kyle, O'Re- Kyle O'Reilly from TakeOver 31, 8.5%. Sasha Banks versus Bailey from Hell in a Cell, 6.3%. And the Men's Royal Rumble in a fifth, 6%. And I think you've got in the first two of these, you know, two of the different ways that um, different companies tried to... Uh, adapt and and compensate for the lack of a crowd um, in the early days of COVID before things like the Thunderdome or, you know, before the having your, your talent in the audience, essentially, um, and providing that atmosphere where you've got the cinematic styles of AJ Styles versus The Undertaker and then the, you know, just the bloody physicality uh, of Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, where the slaps and chops mm. just echo through an empty, barren arena, and that creates an atmosphere in itself, um, in its own way, that is very unique. And for that match, worked incredibly well. Um, didn't for most matches, um, for in any company, yeah. to be honest. Mm. But uh, for that match, the the silence and the lack of a crowd almost enhanced the action um, that was taking place. But you know, I probably wouldn't want to see every match devolve into that kind of thing because it wasn't comfortable the whole time. It was a really interesting match to watch that one. Um, but you know, coming in first, the uh, AJ Styles versus Undertaker match from WrestleMania, the cinematic match, the Boneyard. And, um, 
probably the best of the WWE cinematic matches. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, and it was the one that played things straightest. I think, which is, I don't know, for me that was why it was successful. This kind of reminded me of. Have you ever seen uh, the movie the the uh, the Expendables? Yes. Yeah, so mm. those you know those ma- those things with you know S- Stallone, Schwarzenegger, these great eighties, Jason Statham, you know these great eighties mm. action stars where they're essentially almost playing themselves, um, but you know using all the tricks of cinematic you know that cinema has at their disposal: lighting, editing, uh, special effects, choreography they're able to sort of turn back the clock and and make it feel like they're young again almost or or even if not make it feel like they're young again still make it feel like they're badass and can hold their own in a fight and that's what they sort of did with this this really reminded me of those movies uh and before we knew it was the retirement i was like look i'm i was i'm fed up to the back sick to the back teeth of me with undertaker (laughs) but i was like look if this is what they're going to do for the undertaker then I think I can deal with it because at least it's enjoyable and it's not, you know, him getting dropped on his head by Goldberg um, or, you know, something like that. But this was an enjoyable take on that character and he sort of fits that style where, um, you know, he is a bit larger than life, but he's a badass and, you know, this match was a badass match and it fit his character um, and fit his, his, uh, you know, his reputation and I think, you know, it's a great match for him to go out on if, if we never see him again. Yeah, and uh, like for me, the match, it's it's one of those, like Expendable. I think Expendable's quite a good one because it's silly, but it knows it's silly kind of thing, uh, which yep. they, they they didn't try too but hard. But also plays it straight as well. Yeah, yeah, because the later ones try to inject some form of humour. With the action. Yeah, or with the act, yeah, with the because uh, they did, for me, the big part of it is when Doobie Doobie tries to put comedy in there, and there was comedy in this match, but because it was with what happening was played so straight that it was never too much. It was all within the flow of what was happening. Cough, cough, Steffi Nimi McMahon bit at the money in the bank. Like, it's just, like, just there's no sidebars for silly gag. It's just, no, there's a thing happening and we're going to get across the thing. And it's the, for me, that's the only cinematic match that WWE have done this year that played it like that. I guess the closest is the... Uh, I thought what it's called. The fire match between um, for The Fiend and Randy Orton. Like that's as in it's just the fight that's happening and there's nothing else nothing else random happens. And uh, for me, um I was never as high on it as other people were. Um I think it was probably because I'd uh, obviously uh, what, uh, watching Lucha Underground watching um, Impact during those hardy compound days that I it was a style of match that I'd watched and enjoyed at the time but i'd also had my fill of so when it came to this era they're trying to think of new different ways to do it and for me this was a perfectly fine rendition of the cinematic match but i've never been a massive fan of them like i've enjoyed them like the aw one for me was i enjoy the ones like the like the stampede one from aw for me that's more the style that i'll enjoy more for me, I've I don't I've never really enjoyed the WWE ones. This is easily the best one they've done, and all the others have been crap because they tried too hard. <laughs> they WWE'd it. They put their humor in there. It was all too forced. It was like for me, the Money in the Bank match is every single production thing critique I've got for WWE in one match. <laughs> it's just every single one of them, one after the other. Uh, but this, they played it straight, and that helped helped it with what wondrously helped it. 
And uh, especially compared to the Fiends one with the Funhouse, I feel like this really helps as a such a strong contrast of cinematic style stuff. A it was it was still good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I I'd say yeah, that was a silly bit of fun. And then I go onto the internet, and people are going mental for it. And they're like, oh my god, that was amazing. And that hype's not died down since. And I was like, I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't. It was good. <laughs> I enjoyed the silliness of it. Uh, but I'd always rate the like in ring stuff higher because I'm a nerd. <laughs> but yeah, the yeah. So it's, it wouldn't be my favourite. I personally went for the men's Royal Rumble match purely because, it, and I know a lot of the hardcore fans went for Walter versus uh, Dragunov. Just uh, I've seen it in different voting for different sites, whatever. Uh, purely because of how hard hitting it was, and uh, but for me, the men's Royal Rumble match hit on every single note fantastically. It's just like the Brock Lesnar stuff at the start kind of built up that first half. It got Drew McIntyre over, then gave him a big win in one match, which is fantastic just to see that they've managed to do that. Uh, yes, they threw out a lot of your favourites to get Brock Lesnar over, but they put one of them over at the end of it. So I don't have... that. I'm not going to crap on them for that. They, they tossed out a load of others to then put somebody over. They put someone over at the end of the day. I, I don't get the complaint. <laughs> it's a weird one. Um... But yeah, really, I thought that was a really, really strong rumble. And for me, a good rumble is always going to make the end of year lists. Um, I will give a shout out to um, Becky Lynch versus Asuka 2 from the Royal Rumble. One that's just fallen off the face of voting Earth. <laughs> I don't know if it made the top ten. Because um, it happened five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was that was. I also uh, love yeah. the uh, Daniel Bryan Fiend match. That, yeah, that's the strap awesome. match. Yeah. That was a great. Yeah, mm. like mm. both the kind of there were two championship matches that absolutely nailed it. Yeah. It's just that they feel like they were a lifetime ago. So, <laughs> so it's like, mm. God, that was. What is this year? <laughs> it's so crazy, and and twenty twenty one's not starting off any time normal. <laughs> it doesn't the amount of stuff happening already. <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah, really, really, really. A strong list. Weirdly for WWE, there was a long list. I just assumed I'd really struggle for this, but then I was actually actually no, I've got a decision to make here, and because I really enjoyed Banks versus Bailey at Hell in a Cell as well. I uh, yeah, again, massive fan of the Men's Royal Rumble match. I had an actual choice on my hands, and uh, yeah, I will say there was a lot of strong work, like consistent stuff. But I wouldn't say there was a definitive amazing match. Like personally, for me, I think I would put up Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. I think. Oh wait a second! I just remembered. I've got. I made it because I appeared on the One Nation Radio podcast. I've kept my top ten. Let's <laughs> <laughs> realise. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh yeah, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns from uh, TLC. Yeah, that was a great match. Yes. So that was a. Yeah, I was trying to. Make, I was like, I swear, there's another one. <laughs> but yeah, so there was an actual decision for me to make and an actual list. Uh, so. Kudos uh, to WWE for, in this tough time, actually putting out really strong products in areas, <laughs> I guess. Main events killed it, which means this list at the end of the year has actually got nominations. Uh, so it's great to see. Any more comments before we move on? No, look, I would just say my picks were between the Men's Royal Rumble, which is a why it was wild for me, given how much I hate Brock Lesnar and hate his, what he's done to... <laughs> what he did to the company for <laughs> years. Um, the fact that I'd you know, had a choice of my hands of that just shows how, what a creative thing they did there. Um, I think I ended up going with Walter versus Ilya Dragunov just for the sheer bloody physicality of it, which was intense. Um, one that I thought would get more love but didn't was uh, Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at, um, 
at WrestleMania. Mm. I really enjoyed that. And also Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre at the Money in the Bank. Um, mm. I really enjoyed both of those matches. Pretty like... big Seth fan, so mm. those ones were um, it for yeah. me. I feel so like something. Tag match. Yeah, I would say I feel like something really hurt Seth Rollins was he entered that zone of facing the same opponent for months on end with the Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio yeah. stuff. That probably hurt his perception come the end of the year, just because mm. by the end of it you want to, you're ready for a break and and he got it. So uh, c- congratulations to Seth for having a little Seth. <laughs> so let's move on to tag match of the year. Right, this looks very. And close. you're gonna want to, well, you're gonna want me to ra- read yes. these out, Ib. Yes. <laughs> so, um, men's war game, obviously. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need a magnifying glass to see who won this. Men's war game wins uh, 35.8 percent of the vote, but uh, we had a three-way tie for second with 8.4 percent of the vote between the Kabuki Warriors and the Golden Role, Mo- Role Models from SmackDown. DIY vs. Mustache Mountain from Worlds Collide, which man, mm. crazy that a you know just a, re- a throwaway network show has a has a match of the year candidate on it, but it was a great <laughs> match. So speak mm. speak if you haven't seen, it's probably worth checking out. Speaks to the strength of it. And then the women's war game um, also equal second, eight point four percent. And then coming in fifth, undisputed era vs. the Broserweights from an NXT um, show on a Wednesday night, eight point one percent. So you know. Very consistent voting across, a, apart from the first, which was, you know, massively popular, the men's war game. This is the third year in a row. I'm going to have to call this the uh, the uh, war games <laughs> WWE tag match, something like that. Um, this is the third year in a row the war games has taken it out. I mean, just, I mean, it's almost unfair to pit other tag matches against it because it's just so incredibly entertaining um, with the setup of it. It's always long. There's always great spots. It's always violent. And, you know, this year you had... Pat McAfee going in there, you know, in like mm. his second match of ever. I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Adam Cole and then this, yeah. Yeah, mm. like in his second match ever and somehow didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Because yeah, we were talking about how NXT just... You know, this is the first year we've seen NXT properly drop off of lists. And to see that they've still got the stranglehold on Tag Match of the Year because of War Games. It's, uh, yep. yeah, because it's something you said earlier as well, where the, in the tag scene there was consistency of teams, but there weren't really any standout matches you'd nominate for them. And like, another example... Yeah, no for, Street Profits, no New Day, yeah. no Hurt Business on here. Yeah. For me, another good example would be uh, Seth Rollins' Buddy Murphy versus the Mysterios. They had some really good matches, but at the end of the year, mm. if you ask me what was what would be the match I'd nominate? I can't, just because they had so many, and by the end of it, I was sick. <laughs> just I don't want to see it ever again. Um, but they did have some really solid matches, especially on pay-per-views and things, and it kind of sucks that WWE ran it into the ground there, to a point where I can't differentiate any match from any of the other 20 they had. Uh, same with Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Andrade. Like the joke was when they booked it again for SummerSlam, I think it was like, "Here we go, match number twenty-seven. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's just ridiculous. And the joke, like, Apollo Crews only wrestled hurt business members for like five months straight. <laughs> this is insane. Uh, I'm not, I'm not kidding either. Like genuinely, that was a stat put out by the different wrestling news sites because <laughs> they tracked it. Oh, but yeah, war game, Personally, I was down on war games this year. Didn't particularly care for it, especially the women's one. Because I was really, I looked at the, I looked at the women's one, and I looked at the people in it. I was like, "There's no way this will be bad. This will be." A, and my only highlight from it 
well, I guess two highlights were spots and moves. It felt like a match where they're trying to do cool stuff rather than having an actual story or match to tell. And last year, where they had that story of Dakota Kai turning on Tegan Knox and uh, it just instigating that, that gave the match so much oomph and so much fire that it was my personal tag match of the year last year. And here, I didn't nominate either of them. Even though I, the men's was better and Pat McAfee just... All the applause. <laughs> just to pull out two performances like that. Uh, it, what, it, they told the story relatively well. It's just that I think I might have gone with uh, Kabuki White as Golden Role Models purely because I uh, really... It's another one of those where I really enjoyed the feud and I remember really enjoying one of the tag matches. If the SmackDown one was that one, <laughs> then I voted for the right one. If it wasn't, it's more emblematic of they had good matches, but they had so many, and I got bored of it. I can't tell you which one. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, yeah, emblematic of why it's so tight as well. Like, well, I can't remember which one it was, but maybe it's that one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, take, uh, the War Games matches stand out. You're not going to get another one until next year. I think that helps. Absolutely. Mm. My personal pick was uh, before we move on to the next one was Broza Waits versus um, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, which was just like a you know mm. snort three lines of cocaine being off the wall sort of <laughs> yeah. tag team match yeah. on NXT <laughs> that I watched. I watched as part of a um, we did like a top men Jekyll who does the who did the NXT Cool Points reviews. Mm. Um, we did a top top uh, five moments top five matches of nxt and aew to after a year of their the the two programs existence on on cable tv and that was one that he did in there and it's just like it's insane they just don't stop the whole time but it was very mm. enjoyable bros wades versus mark andrews and flash morgan webster mm. and we've got the dusty classic and they're, they're building it up relatively well so we might get a stronger showing tag team wise from nxt this year especially yeah. with the uk teams coming back in a bit more permanently uh, Grizzled Doom Veterans, yep. they're my favourite NXT tag team by far. <laughs> so I'm generally excited to see what they come up with uh, in the current NXT world. Right, moving on to the WWE Feud of the Year. And I can't remember if it was the one I voted for. I want to say it was. <laughs> I'm just completely blanking. <laughs> uh, it's weird. The first half of Bailey Sasha, where it was bubbling under the surface, and, and I can count it now because they... It's one of the things where it's like, this is WWE. Quite often the wrestlers might show a little bit of bubbling or on a show they might show it. But until they're really hammering it home, I don't trust anything that it's <laughs> showing. And and with yeah. these guys, it had been bubbling under the mm. surface at different points for the last, like, four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to see it, for me, it's, to, it's a story of two halves. Really enjoyed the first part, including the attack by Bailey, just turning on Sasha. But for me, the kind of build from there was completely WWE'd, where it was, they got, we've got to run through it at an amazing pace because we've got Hell in a Cell and your match has to happen at Hell in a Cell. And personally for me, um, it, the only reason it sagged was because I was watching Hangman Page and Kenny Omega at the same time. And for me, it was how invested I was becoming over the course of time in Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. For me... That really made Bailey Sasha look like nothing in comparison. Purely because they rocketed through it. As in, she uh, Bailey with a vicious attack and Sasha's back like in two weeks. It's like, well, what's the point then? <laughs> and she's back and she's attacking Bailey and set up the match at Hell in a Cell. Um, the match, really, really good. <laughs> it was technically, technically, what they showed on the Smackdowns leading up to pay-per-view wasn't bad. 
it was just that they rocketed through it at such a pace that I was like, oh, like you've taken your time with the first half and then you've blown through everything in three weeks. It's just like, oh, it's, oh, it's going to be difficult for me to vote this. <laughs> it's a, um, I can't remember what I voted for. It might have been Reigns Uso. I think I went with that one. Uh, probably because it's like the opposite, where they really have kind of fleshed it out over the course of time. And you're seeing that relationship evolve. I technically say it's still happening. You're seeing that relationship between Uso and Reigns evolve like every single week in like yep. manipulation and the family and everything. Well, again, Bailey Sasha. It's good to see that afterwards there's been repercussions for Bailey and uh, like Sasha becoming champion and actually beating her. Uh, it's, there's been consequences. Another thing that's been missing for past years of WWE. <laughs> Bailey lost the title to Sasha in fashion and as like mentally and kind of card positionally start to struggle. Yes, all the applause for that. <laughs> that's the year I'm in for with Jay White. I'm in for that year. And it's it's great to see just the the consequences for losing. I really, really like it. Feud itself, loved the first half. If, uh, if it didn't fall flat, but I was kind of like, oh, you spent so long building it up to blast through it in three weeks. That's another one. But yeah, that's, that's why I went with Reigns Uso. Yeah, look, I went with Reigns Uso as well. Um, you know, who would have thought that... Jay Uso would Jay Uso would be one of the breakout single <laughs> mm. stars of the year. Like what a what an incredible feud that has been, and as you said, still is. And that was the great thing about well, we'll get to AEW feud of the year when we talk about Hangman and, and Kenny Omega and the Elite. Mm. Like the teasing out of these things and and drawing out of these things over a long period. And it's not doing the same thing every single week. Um, it's slow, but it's slowly developing the relationships. Um, and that's exactly what's happening with Reigns and Uso, um, which I loved so much. But look, as you know, as I said at the top, I really enjoyed Bailey and Sasha Banks, and I've been watching the pay per views, so I guess I haven't seen the muck that you've necessarily seen watching the week-to-week television um but i i really enjoy the the dynamic and i love that how when it has happened the wwe has gone so in, all in on it and mm. they have gone all behind bailey and sasha banks because you know at the start of this year if you were to talk if you look at you know because unfortunately the the women's division is a lot of it is the four horsemen plus asuka um you would mm. look at those five women and say well look even including Asuka in it, Bailey and Sasha Banks have really sort of started to lag behind. But this was the year where they got the rocket strap, well, got the got the, the pedal to the metal because the other mm. guys just weren't there. Um, Charlotte and Becky Lynch just weren't there. And these guys proved exactly why they were the leaders of the women's revolution in many ways in what they did in Brooklyn um, in Brooklyn Four, uh, sorry, not Brooklyn Four, in Brooklyn, um, in their match, and then in the Iron Woman match, the you know in the weeks and months afterwards, these guys were the leaders of that revolution at that point. They were the ones that that brought things about and to a head in such a way and they've proved why this year and that's been you know really fantastic to see you know as you said they've they've suffered the wwe booking curse of we've got a pay-per-view in three weeks it's called hell in a cell so guess what you're having your blow off hell in a cell match in three weeks time after you've just started the Mm. conflict (laughs) part of your feud but you know to give these guys credit that was beyond their control but the thing that was in their control was the match and that was a Mm. bloody good match um, and one of the better of the PG era pay-per-view, you know, Hell in a Cell being a pay-per-view era Hell in a Cell matches. Um, 
So they deserve all the praise they've got for this. Also, Randy Orton versus Edge, turning mm. back the clock, great. Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, the mm. ultimate carry job by Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but Pat McAfee, mm. you know, on, has proved on the mic that he is more than capable of, of holding it down. And then Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton coming in with 10.8% of the, of the vote well and truly earned there that was the biggest feud of drew mcintyre's year well probably maybe you'd say brock lesnar was a bigger you know of more importance but since he became champion the randy orton one was the one where you know he went back and forth a bit with it and uh you know well deserving of its place in the top five here um before we move on to the aew portion of the matches and feuds of the year yeah i would say um for me, it's ember ma- uh, for how good the match was at Hell in a Cell where Bailey Sasha won when my critique is it only took place over the course of a month. But it took place out, uh, only mm. one month of the entire year and it won. I mean, that's how invested fans were. Mm. <laughs> so kudos to that. Also, Randy Orton... I, I would be surprised if the feud, they include, mm. you know, the build-up oh, to right, it yeah. um, with them being a team as well beforehand. Because mm. yeah. I, I, w- yeah. I would include that in my analysis of it. Yeah, and my yeah, with, like, encompassing of it if I'm going to fight for yeah like yeah. with Paige and Omega as well I'm definitely going to include all the little, little tidbits they were doing whilst they were a team yeah. uh, also Drew McIntyre not Drew McIntyre mm. Randy Orton nominated for two matches as well um, it's not an award that exists outside of my head <laughs> but because like, I do it for football I'll do random awards with my brother and things <laughs> just uh, like worst purchase of the year biggest waste of money or who's the biggest who's the best <laughs> who's the best player that came to the Premier League with the cheapest price that sort of thing for me, um, like the veteran of the year, like the veteran of the roster, who was the best of oh. the year. And I think for years past, I've always given it to Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> it's just like, I can't really give it to anybody else, <laughs> surely. However, this year, Randy Orton, the fact he's been nominated for two of the, two different ones, he has had an amazing year. And it's seemingly the year where it all mentally clicked for him in terms of being a vet. And he's... Finally, uh, yes, maybe took the lockdown era to really hammer it home for not just him, but a lot of people in the uh, promotion uh, making the decisions. But finally focusing on the current era and Randy Orton's doing an amazing job putting over the current stars. Yes, it's a bit of a hmm to think apparently the current plan is Randy Orton edge at WrestleMania. It's like, oh, so back to the well then. (laughs) But the work he's done over the course of the year has been fantastic and I can't remove even though Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton was another feud that felt like it would never end his work in it was fantastic <laughs> it's a it's an odd one but you know you're kind of plucking at straws when you have Randy Orton dress up as Splinter Cell to attack some legends <laughs> it's like right we probably need to end the feud now <laughs> scraping the barrel a bit <laughs> it's just oh yeah but he was fantastic. So, and the fact he's on two different feuds here shows that for me. Uh, both amazing work with Edge at the start of the year when we when he could get crowd reactions. And then uh, Randy Orton with Drew McIntyre as well. Uh, amazing stuff, putting the current champion over. So, yeah, so I want to give a shout out for that because he wasn't up for... He wasn't really... He was on the list for uh, for the singles wrestler, but he didn't wasn't towards the top end. So didn't really talk about him. Uh, right, so moving on to the AEW... And the AEW Singles Match of the Year, for me, really difficult because there's so many, <laughs> which is great to say. Uh, but uh, uh, So, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega winning out. Uh, I'll just give my quick opinion. I voted for Kenny Omega versus Pac from Dynamite. It's just one where, in the moment, I enjoyed it immensely. And that it's, it's like a personal favourite. I, I don't know if I would rate it as the best match that AEW put out this year. Um I don't know if I could choose. It might be Cody Rhodes, Brody Lee, to be fair, on the the TV show itself. However, mm. just in terms of 
like I was talking about with it, one of my favourite show from NXT AEW this week. I just watched it. I was content. I was happy. And it's it's difficult to top that, really, with wrestling, when it just hits everything personally for you. And that's what Pat versus Kenny Omega did. Uh, anyway, the stats, Sam. The stats. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that, look, there was a lot of uh, a lot of different matches getting a, a a look in here. And that's, you know, the winner is only 16.1%. John, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega from Winter is Coming. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I'd probably say it's fair to say there wasn't a blow-away match, which is why it's like this. Um, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho from Revolution, 14.3%. You're getting an idea why John Moxley was the wrestler of the year from this, (laughs) and you will further in the feud part as well. Um, Kenny Omega versus Puck, um, 11.4% for their Iron Man match, their half-an-hour Iron Man match from Dynamite. Um, Incredible show, that one. Uh, And... Cody Rhodes versus Brody Lee, the dog collar match, 7.5%. One of the most violent matches that's been on um, on cable TV in a long time, I would say. And then Kenny Omega versus Adam Page for full gear, 7.1%. Incredible, given that I feel like they were holding back, uh, you know, a 10-minute finishing stretch of amazingness that will come down the line, hopefully. Uh, and uh, But they still made the top five for this. Look, at the, the top match... I'm not surprised that this was happened because it was, you know, it's fresh in people's mind. It is the two biggest stars of the of the singles division this year, John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Um, not to say that Cody Rhodes, oh, Cody Rhodes and, and Chris Jericho, of course, are big stars of the singles division, but the two, you know, most prominently pushed at the main event championship level guys this year, John Moxley and Kenny Omega, um, they're coming together and it was certainly a very highly promoted match uh i would say the thing that surprised me about this was the i felt like the um the reaction to this was a bit divisive in that everyone agreed it had a really good ending stretch but some were a bit bored by the start of this match um but you know there's obviously enough people loved it that they voted as their wrestler their their match of the year um as I said, my personal one was John Moxley versus Brody Lee for that incredible um, match at Double or Nothing. Um, as I said, as described before, the Terminator movie, <laughs> the Terminator <laughs> movie match um, <laughs> that they had together. Not, not what like, was your personal favourite to say? So say Terminator movie match, not like WWE's RoboCop movie match. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh my. Uh, but yeah so yeah my personal pick was Kenny Mega versus Pac as I just said for those 30 minutes I was just a happy bunny (laughs) I just really really enjoyed myself Um, but if I'm being a bit more analytical probably Cody Rhodes Brody Lee might have been my other pick Uh, it was an insane year of quality and to say to see that they put out that level of quality in this year given the amount that's happened and the amount of like our top matches that happened in the lockdown era where, again, what they've had to do. And uh, yes, they for me, they were the ones to figure out the atmosphere first, how to do that better. And personally, part of the reason I enjoyed AW so much this this week is yes, NXT put on... Both, both, both brands put on a fantastic show. However, the inserted crowd noise for, NXT, for WWE shows, can't stand it. Um, for football, for rugby, whatever sport they do it in, I... Cannot stand inserted crowd noise. For me, it's fine if it's ambience. <laughs> if it's ambience in the background, <laughs> for me, it's fine. If you're putting in this is awesome chance, oh, I'm going to struggle. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to get reaction as well. Because I feel like sports, all sports, have really struggled with 
playing the sound clip for when the thing happens <laughs> instead of reacting to it. Like the crowd going, oh. And WWE have tried this themselves with like a, a big kick or a choke slam or something. And they it meant to be the crowd reacting like, oh, that, that, that was amazing. However, the timing is just off every time. <laughs> it never works. And uh, like Ray Ripley versus Gonzalez, the big host match, then they piped in this is awesome chance. And, was like, and my immediate critique was, at least Ugh. pipe it in from a crowd of the, this size. You're doing it for like a 15,000 full arena for this NXT show. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like I don't get it. Like with the Thunderdome, I can somewhat take I'm not a massive fan of it, but I can take it somewhat because they're trying to portray a big full audience. And that's what all the screens are kind of there to show. They're pretending the screens are making that noise. At least that is there. When I'm watching NXT... Who's making that noise? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but AEW is all organic. And for me, that really, really helps in terms of the atmosphere and the matches. And I think in terms of shows of the year, you'll see that. There's With yes. AEW, it's just something about the atmosphere they generate because it is genuinely made there. And the wrestlers who are the fans at ringside, uh, they... Are not they're not controlled to the production level of WWE where it's like a crowd at a top of the pops. That's an old reference. <laughs> it's like a live, it's like a live music show for TV where they're like dance now, cheer now, clap, and it's it's like that, um, or of like a recording of a sitcom, or whatever. Um, WWE feels like that, and uh, AEW is so organic with it, where it's like you're the baddie guy, you're the baddie side, you're the goody side, but just watch the show and respond however you want. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, so much. Now, mm. now you bring it up, it, like, we almost should have given an AEW uh, crowd member of the members. Oh, we think some of the wrestlers have put in some work. Mm. Man, Austin Gunn, <laughs> week in, week out, mm. he is up. For two hours straight, just <laughs> cheering and clapping. Man, when I go to a match, when I go to a wrestling show, I, you know, I have to go to the toilet. I have to go and get a beer. You know, I sit down. I look at my phone. I check my Twitter. Mm. You know, I maybe, you know, I maybe start a chant for a bit, and I maybe, you know, try and yell something, heckle the wrestler or whatever. But <laughs> man, Austin Gunn is just a he's a machine <laughs> of, of generating atmosphere and crowd noise so you know mm. unofficial award of the year before we get to tag match of the year austin gunn <laughs> the crowd member of the year for, for aw mm. <laughs> i partly drifted off topic purely uh, just it's because pentaco as well oh, so yeah. pentaco's always mm. seems to be out there as well mm. um doing his doing his thing and uh yeah. you know he got his just desserts this week for it <laughs> <laughs> but i was like um when they've had they do have the, some of the bigger names there as well like uh, I think one of my favourite things was MJF just a bit bored, like play, drinking, playing games at ringside, betting on the matches. That's what he was doing. Betting, was betting on it. On, yeah. yeah, he was betting, betting on it. On it. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Uh, let's move on uh, as I see the file size for this increase and increase because <laughs> we got to two hours. Uh, let's go to the AW Tag Team Match of the Year. So I think we kind of spoiled this earlier where it's like we will be talking about the match from Revolution <laughs> because... It's for me. It's yeah. I didn't even have to think about it, which is for a match that happened in February. When because when I talk about WWE, I'm like I'm having to remind myself of matches that I enjoyed that happened. But with this one, this match was so good. Where for me, at the end of the year, it still wasn't even in question. It was. I think for me, I went in with high hopes, specifically because I saw who was involved. And because I'd seen those Young Bucks Golden Lovers matches, which were, for me, just p 
peak incredible. I need to go back and watch those matches. They were insane for me. Mm. But the but so my bar was high, and they exceeded it. It was just yeah. And the this is where the teasers oh. really began for the story, the character work in there as well. Just all of the people who put the young bucks into a certain category. This showed every single one of them up. Just for what in terms of storytelling, in terms of character work, in terms of working on the body. Like for me, the biggest I've never understood that of the young bucks don't sell anything. It's like my biggest critique is Matt keeps selling his back. <laughs> That's my biggest critique of them. Is <laughs> uh, apparently it's a real injury, which is why he keeps doing it. <laughs> but it's. Uh, that um, is that is something that people who don't actually watch Young Bucks matches yeah. say about the Young Bucks. Yeah, yeah. I always find it interesting because that's my b- biggest critique of them. Is no, if anything, <laughs> my critique is it's too much of one thing. Uh, again, if it's a real life thing, there's not really much you can do about that. But yeah, amazing match. I I can't praise this match enough. Uh, it looks like second and third might have been a little bit tight, but uh, and maybe fourth and fifth as well. But we've got a runaway in a way. Yeah, twenty-seven point seven. I'm surprised it didn't run away by further because this this match was incredible. Um, for me, I think this is by my match of the year across all promotions. I think I've recently rewatched it, and there's just so much going on character-wise from on all fronts here. Um, twenty-seven point seven percent in total was what it got. Um, FTR versus the Young Bucks there, um, a long-awaited final <laughs> meeting, um, and their love letter to tag team wrestling, which is what I think this was. It got 18% even, um, coming in second. The Inner Circle versus the Elite, the Stadium Stampede, 15.9% of the vote. Um, and then the incredible street fight, <laughs> um, Proud and Powerful versus the Best Friends from Dynamite, one of the best street fights ever, and it speaks to the strength of of the tag team division in AEW, that this match, which was the, I believe the first, um, the first five-star rated empty arena mm. match, uh, by Dave Meltzer. And, you know, say what you want about Dave Meltzer, but you know, his ratings, I, I feel like they mean something, particularly in AEW. Um, you know, everyone's rating is something, but he's been doing it for long enough that the fact that this was the first of the empty arena matches to get it does mean, you know, I, I think that holds some water and um, th- it only got 6.8% of the vote because <laughs> that's how good the tag team division in AEW is. And then um, Adam Page versus Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega versus FTR at all out coming in fifth. But yeah, look so much going on in this match um, story wise um, between Adam Page and Kenny Omega um, in terms of, their ongoing dynamic and story, um, what Adam Page is going through, wanting to, you know, this is the greatest thing he's ever achieved and his desperation to hold on to it. Um, And then the Young Bucks, the dynamic even between those two of, you know, one of them is more fired up than the other one and is more pissed off than the other one about this. You know, these aren't two of the same people. These are two individual people in that. And, yeah, look, this is... I think I hold this up with... um, with the Shield six man versus the Wyatts, and with the Golden Lovers versus um, the Young Bucks as the three best tag team matches I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it, incredible. Um, Doc and I were basically after after um, at the end of year thing. The, the Doc Chad Matthews and I were just going back and forth, text messaging about what we thought, um, and we brought up this match, and he was thinking, I, I want to put this into my all-time ratings um, and see where it ends up, because he 
you know, it's just going to start knocking them off one after the other. Because, and we're talking about we're comparing this to the the Shield versus Wyatt six man, and I think this probably has got the edge over that. And that was the that was the highest rate, one of the highest rated tag team matches in his top one hundred matches and and rivalries of all time. So, you know, this is just such a such an incredible match, um, action, and the crowd, man. This is why we miss crowds like mm. the the crowd. The way they went mental when Kenny Omega kicked out of the uh, the Golden Trigger at one, the way the crowd just <laughs> rise, it's just it gives you it gives mm. you it gives you just you know you, it makes your spine tingle. And as good as you know the audience has been in for AEW, as good as the clap crowds in NJPW have been, nothing will you know there is something special about having just a hot arena will rise for for something like that so yeah mm. uh, I, I won't say anything more about this but I, I was the only thing that surprised me about this award was how <laughs> how um you know I, I thought it'd be 50 percent i you mm. know i thought this would be even more blow away <laughs> yeah yeah it was yeah easily my match like you were saying like didn't even have to consider it it's not even close <laughs> this easily easily the tag team match of the year amazing stuff Yep. Moving on to the AEW feud of the year, and for, I would call this surprising, but maybe it's showing as to why yeah. these two were feuding for so long, for them to do this well on this list. Uh, Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy winning this out. Personally, not mine. I personally never, I struggled with it. I wouldn't say I hated it because, uh, yeah, it mean uh, I don't really hate anything on AEW really. <laughs> it's a um, and I don't have anything that gives me that guttural, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I don't know. And nothing's given me that reaction on the show. Uh, but I would say I didn't get into this feud. Uh, I, I The matches were fine enough come the pay-per-views. Like they gave me a bit of fun and joy. Uh, and, but it was Chris Jericho jumping on something that was white. And if it's white hot, go with it. And it's won this award. So obviously it was white hot for a reason. <laughs> Orange Cassidy is over. Don't then not feature him because a few people don't see him in that way. It's like, no, clearly he is. He's won this award <laughs> for AW of the Year with Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, but this one is one that seems to descend without that big of a gap between the numbers. Mm. Yeah, mm. lots of lots of different ones getting votes here. 14.7% was the winning margin, uh, was the winning percentage for Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. So, you know, for a lot of the other ones, we've been talking high 20s, early 30s even some in the 40s so this is a this is a tight award this one um john moxley performed very strongly um his feud with chris jericho that i spoke about earlier um 12.4 percent was his highest rated then the feud with eddie kingston the incredible personal one 10.2 percent then the elite which was this was the one i voted for we've probably spoken enough about that to as to why we'd pick that 8.9 <laughs> yeah. percent and then cody rhodes versus mjf i thought this deserved to be higher um 7.8 percent incredible feud with you know some of the segments in this with the lashings mm. the lashings that was one of the <laughs> best segments of television i've seen um in and you know and then the the week after this steel the steel cage match between Rhodes and Wardlow. If anything, the only weak point of this feud is the match between Rhodes and MJF. Yeah, that's um, probably why. Probably yeah. you know a step down from mm. the the match that Rhodes had with Wardlow, and you know the what was building into it. There's so much going on character wise in that, mm. and then you know other ones that got all of the John Moxley feuds got votes. So his one with Kenny Omega, um, the the feud he had with MJF also got votes, and then the Cody Rhodes versus Brody Lee was also a uh, a high winner, a high 
point getter as well. Yeah, there's a lot of strong feuds in AW. It's I think because uh, I think um, yeah, this is I mean this is the strength of the promotion, right? This is yeah. you know its ability to tell stories ongoing, and you know honestly I think Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy it didn't this wouldn't have been my pick I would have picked a number of feuds above that but I think you know the John Moxley vote for example got split across a number of different feuds um, you know and yeah as a, uh, I'll pass this on to you <laughs> yeah so yeah the I, I call I call the Jericho Orange Cassidy feud divisive but only because some people really into it, and other ones like, oh, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't say it verges on hate for me. I've seen some people just cannot stand Orange Cassidy. Again, I don't have that strong emotions towards wrestling, <laughs> really. Aside from when I see Goldberg return again after what happened last year. When I saw see Goldberg defeat The Fiend in Saudi Arabia, that got me, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, but... <laughs> Oh, and the the Fiend Seth Rollins match. Obviously, that got everybody. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, you thought yeah. that was the bottom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had my little breakdown <laughs> after watching that. I was just like, I've put loads of effort into setting up stuff for the YouTube thing to start doing that. At that point, there was no video. It was just just a blank screen. I put loads of effort in, and and then for what? For this? <laughs> that broke me. Uh, but of course, I I wrote off the Saudi Arabia shows after the first one. And I think uh, even for wrestling headlines, we stopped covering them. As in, uh, in terms of these videos and reviews and things, we only have a review for the Greatest Royal Rumble. And the Pond guys did that one right side of the pond. Uh, they did a special, plugged right side of the pond special, two hours into the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a uh, yeah, really, really uh, strong lineup of feuds from AEW to just no digress. <laughs> a really strong list of feuds for AEW, and maybe that's kind of why this one might have jumped up a bit because those who, who enjoyed it really enjoyed it whilst people like me I'm split across so many different ones and with John Moxley it was his entire run rather yeah. than one thing in particular as well which is uh, in terms of winning an award like this it means he's going to win Wrestle of the Year <laughs> which you know is pretty prestigious as it is but Feud of the Year is going to be split because people will have their own individual favourites um, just before we move along, Imp, I just noticed there was a, a question in the YouTube chat and mm. to Ed Dead, are there women's awards? And look, sorry, Ed Dead, if you asked that like half an hour ago, <laughs> we <We've only laughs> yeah. just got to it. Um, what, what I do, so I'm the one that curates these awards and sort of controls them for lack of a better term. Um, definitely happy to take suggestions. I've always put the women and men in the same categories. Um, so for example, like as we saw, Bailey and Sasha was the feud of the year. They beat out Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. And, you know, their Hell in a Cell match was uh, one of the strongest ones a couple of years ago. Becky Lynch won the wrestler of the year and her match with Charlotte Flair actually won the match of the year. Uh, so we, we put them all in together. And I guess the reason I do that is just because, particularly since the women's revolution, is these guys are on the same footing. I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to separate them. I'm conscious of having too many awards. Um, look, if there's enough people who want it, Hit, hit me up if you want a separate women's award by all means we can but I, I kind of like putting them in together particularly mm. that year where Becky Lynch won she was the deserved winner and having her crowned over all of the men as well as the women I thought was a big achievement and was the rightful thing to happen because she was the hottest wrestler of that year um, she was a hottest wrestler at that time and that was probably one of the best matches of the year so um, you know that's why I put them together because you know if the women are excellent enough and in many times many cases they are i think it's worth having them against mm. the men um to to show that uh that that's my take um if but yeah look as i said this is 
this is the people's award i only get one vote i just control all the the categories and stuff and if there's enough people who want it i'll by all means i'll split things up but that's that's where i stand for the moment mm. and um, of course in terms so of, moving along yeah, in terms of numbers of awards uh we're, again we're over two hours in and we're going for the keeping it strong style crown yeah. <laughs> Come you, James, James. you must really love listening to us ed dead <laughs> <laughs> so next up is the global slash indie singles match of the year and in terms of, uh, again, these numbers, very tight. For the global indie, there's just such an, an amount of matches you can vote for. And normally for these awards, it's either, again, you get people voting for matches who don't really watch it or people who do watch a lot of indie wrestling and could vote for anything. <laughs> because this is where you get into the breadth of fandom. Where there's some, there's some yep. people who only watch Joshi. There's some people who only watch PWG type uh, American indie stuff. And then there's the Impact fans, the Mega Impact fans, me, the uh, number one New Japan fans. <laughs> it's a, such a variety. However, the match I voted for won, <laughs> so I can't complain too much. <laughs> uh, but again, yeah, this was yeah. the uh, this was the New Japan January Awards. Mm. Um, every <laughs> single one in the top five was New Japan wrestlers, and happened mm. in January of twenty. 20- Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> it's all Wrestle Kingdom or the Rev Pro High Stakes one that mm. comes in fourth is uh, also happened in January, but just in Rev Pro between two wrestlers who re- wrestle for New Japan. <laughs> so yeah, Kazuchika Okada vs Kota Ibushi, the main event for Wrestle Kingdom Night One, came out first in twelve point seven percent. This was another really close one. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi vs Chris Jericho. This was leading for a while actually. Ten point nine percent from night two of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi from night one. Ten point three percent. Just like about three or four votes in that one, I believe. Um, came in third. Will Ospreay vs Zack Saber Jr. from Rev Pro High Stakes. Six point nine percent. And then Kazuchika Okada vs Tetsuya Naito, the main event for night two, um, which was my personal pick for match of the year because. Um, from Wrestle Kingdom, um, 6.6%. Just, I wanted to, to just lay out a few other ones as well. So outside of New Japan, the matches were Tessa Blanchard versus Semi Callahan came in six with 6.3%. Then Kenny Omega versus Laredo Kid from AAA Mania for 6.1%. And Thunder Rosa versus Priscilla Kelly, um, got 3.1% and came in next. The total matches that got votes was 42 t- different matches over 14 across 14 different promotions. So yeah, once again, as Imp said, massive breadth of things here. Obviously, the New Japan is probably the more most high profile and known for, you know, this is their strength, this is what their strength is meant to be um is putting on these matches and the Wrestle Kingdom brand did not let down in 2020 with some incredible stuff going on um there. As you said, Imp, I'll let you talk about Okada versus Ibushi, but for me, Okada versus Naito, this was long-term storytelling, absolutely the pinnacle of it. When Tetsuya Naito, I've never heard a crowd hotter than mm. when these two were trading. Um, and when he went up to hit the Phoenix Splash that's previously been and represents the his past persona, which failed and was what cost him the match against Okada last time um, and everything that represents, which we don't have time to get into, when he hit that, the crowd went mental and they were on the edge of their seat when he went up for it. And then when he, you know, when he hit that, that was pretty much my moment of the year. Um, and at that point you knew he was going to win, but you know, this, this match was in, incredible physicality, incredible athleticism and just a, a long-term story getting its big payoff and really emotional payoff at, 
you know, um, that was that was my match of the year. I'll let you talk about what the winner yeah, did. Yeah, so uh, for me, the only difference between the two, because uh, uh, Okada and Naito is your, my kind of, I guess, long-term storytelling, big payoff match of the year, without question. I'm assuming Kenny Omega Handman Page is the next recipient for that, even if, if, if it does happen next year. It doesn't have to. <laughs> keep, keep telling it. But it's, yeah, the fact it took four years to Naito's rematch, then he lost. Then it was another two years before he got it again, and he had to go through this, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, double match stuff. And yeah, the crowd was so hot. Because I, I went back to watch, after I watched Wrestle Kingdom this year, for and I, I've, there's something about the atmospheres, even though it's just the clapping crowds, there's something about the atmospheres for both main events in yeah, Ibushi Naito and Ibushi versus Jay White, where I just wanted to go back and kind of just live in that atmosphere as I went back and watched the matches. So I thought I'd go back and watch the main events from the past couple of years as well. And immediately it's like, oh, it pales in comparison. <laughs> it's just, the as the crowd sing Naito's name, it's just something special. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, um, cause especially from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 as well, where I thought Wrestle Kingdom 12 would be the peak. I think at the time we described it as like the the Rock and Austin, it felt like that, as in the two biggest stars of this era clashing, and the crowd are so into it. And the fact that two years later, into it just as much. <laughs> the atmosphere is incredible for it. And, yeah, because, again, uh, the, uh, there's something about the atmosphere at Wrestle Kingdom 15, uh, especially the, with the main events, I felt Wrestle Kingdom. And then I went back and watched, uh, yeah, from last January. It's like, bloody hell. <laughs> it's something else when they're that over. Um it's just because the only reason I went for Ibushi Okada was because I was such a fan and absolutely adored. I guess like um, it was like when you watched Ibushi versus Tanahashi, where it was the moment where Ibushi snapped and mm. became and it like yep. became that Incredible. machine. And it was just the emotional reaction I had to that. <laughs> it was just like I, nothing in wrestling gave me that feeling <laughs> over the course of the year. Uh, him like him bringing it back for Wrestle Kingdom this year didn't give me the same reaction. But the, like, the first time seeing it at Wrestle Kingdom last year, it was just like, oh, it's like the match went to another level because of that. I wouldn't even say it was a better match than Naito Okada. It's just that uh, it gave me that reaction. I was like, oh, this, just, this is incredible. <laughs> like, I love it. Uh, Jay White Ibushi did give me that reaction of, oh, my God, this match. <laughs> it's just um, been on a, a match <laughs> that gives me an emotional ride. Like... Like when I was playing The Last of Us, and I was just like, no game has given me this emotional ride before. Like, I feel like I'm meant mm. to be tired, <laughs> type of thing. Like, no, no game's tried to give me that feeling. I purposely do it. Whilst uh, both Ibushi main events for me, and not, it turns out the Jay White one this year and the Okada one, felt like they gave me that feeling on purpose, and then you kind of click into God mode. It's like, oh, it's, yeah. Amazing. That's why I voted it my man of the match. <laughs> man of the match? <laughs> Football's in my head. Forest to play today. We need yeah. to get through these awards, Ip. <laughs> yeah. Forest kick off at 12, if I might. <laughs> in an hour. I need to get ready. I need to Let's move on to the Global Indie Tag Match of the Year. And uh, I think this was my vote, if I might. I might have gone with uh, the AAA match of the Lucha Bros. I don't think I did, though. Uh, but yeah, I uh, as I said earlier, I really rated the North. I think they gave I gave them my indie tags thing of the year, and this was for me their biggest. When I say biggest showcase, this would have been the match of theirs that most people watched, and uh, because of most machine guns, and I jumped in on it, and yeah, there's nothing else really to say. <laughs> this was my vote. Great to see the North getting the recognition. 
Yeah, I'll just quickly run down it because, as I said, I didn't really watch Impact that much. Um, Motor City at all. Um, Motor City Machine Guns versus the North um, got took the day twenty six point five percent. Machine Gun Motor City Machine Guns versus the North versus the Good Brothers versus Austin and Fulton. The four way match from Bound for Glory came in second with twenty point nine percent. Dangerous Techers, this was my vote. Dangerous Techers, David Jr. shirt. <laughs> Dangerous Techers versus the Golden Aces from Dominion came in 12.1%. Lucha Bros versus Jeanettas. Do you want to have a run at that one here, please? Oh, <laughs> from Jeanette's AAA. Um, the air, I said that came... many Irish, Lee. The air. <laughs> the air, the air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You can hoist yourself on your petard with that one, nine point one percent. And then Finn Juice, Finn Juice versus God from Wrestle Kingdom got seven percent. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, kind of with the the uh, tag team of the year awards, you know, this is just really solid tag team booking. You get some veteran tag teams, some veteran hands in the into the tag team division, and you put them in a bunch of different interesting. Um, situations and interesting stipulations and you're going to get good you're going to get good stuff and that's played out with these you know with impact taking the top two spots in this so good for impact with that yeah not really much more to add good for impact it's great to see the north getting that recognition all right moving on to yep global indie feud of the year and uh, again a little bit of a recency thing uh for for me it's got to be uh uh, okada versus naito just because of (laughs) <laughs> technically it yeah. didn't happen all over the course of this year however yeah <laughs> because of the, it was the culmination did happen this year again for feud of the year and this is this is a seven six seven year long feud and this was the payoff this year yeah for me it's got to be that and i don't know if it's more just because of the name of will osprey or people generally are really into it uh i don't know which one it is uh, but yeah, but that would have personally been mine. But it's great to see little things like Jay White Ibushi with the with Jay White actually winning the briefcase, like to shock everybody. That was a cool moment as well. Just elevated that feud. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Eric Young, which one? Like generally surprising loads of people with in Impact as well. So Impact up there once again. For me, the one that I'm really happy to see is Perazzo versus Jordan Grace. Uh, really happy to see that one go up because there's been uh, they've Impact have received a lot of plaudits for their women's division. And it's great to see that one of the feuds especially has really clicked. Because for me, my thing has been, they've got a great division. It's just that creatively, it's still impact. <laughs> so it's a bit weird. <laughs> and I've, I've always struggled to get into their style of like writing and booking stuff. But I can enjoy the pay-views and matches. So it's great to see they're actually hitting home and uh, with a women's storyline that's really, really working. Uh, especially in the wake of the whole Tessa Blanchard stuff where they put so much effort and cards into that pile and turns, yeah, and it turns sour. So it's mm. great to see they're able to build the blocks up once again. Uh, but that doesn't mean Osprey Card is bad. It, it just, I, personally, I felt like there was so much quality elsewhere and I cannot not give the award to the seven-year-long story paying off. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was, yeah, your takes are Sam. Yeah, so Osprey versus Okada, um, 19.3% of the vote. I think that got it just because it was a really hot feud. In, in the, these guys have a lot of history together, and so when Osprey turned on Okada and formed his own faction, you just know that that's going to um, result in something big. Uh, 
technically in twenty um in twenty twenty these guys hadn't had their blow off match because that happened this year at Wrestle Kingdom, but you know they had a really good match at the G one and set up that story that was heading for Wrestle Kingdom. So fair fair play to them getting the top one. Um, I you know Tetsuya Naito versus Evil in the moment that evil turn on tetsuya naito amazing amazing way that you know when naito went up for the fist bump and um evil hit the two sweet hit it with a two sweet that was a really cool moment the matches though chuck him in the bin i get get it out of here <laughs> you know i i love stories but mm. the matches have got to be good uh, and the man the story the matches between these two were abysmal um just Really poor, um, really boring stuff. Uh, my pick was Minoru Suzuki versus Tetsuya versus um, man, that would have been a great way for Tetsuya Naito <laughs> to go instead of versus Evil. Um, no, versus Minoru Suzuki mm. versus Shingo Takagi in mm. the never open weight division. Um, I just love the fire between these two, and you know, Shingo Takagi having to overcome the you know the boss mm. of essentially the boss of the never you know. Minoru Suzuki might not always be the champion of the Never Open Weight division, but if you're going to have a strong star match, he's the boss of it. <laughs> um, so he mm. ultimately had to overcome that, and they traded the the thing back and forth in some incredibly physical matches. So that was my personal pick for um, feud of the year. Also, uh, not a bad uh, not a bad time to plug the uh, G1 Climax reviews that myself, myself and Sam have done for the past couple <laughs> couple of few years. And yeah. uh, just a reminder of who our winners were for the MVP. Uh, Shingo Takagi ran away with it for our G1 Performer of the Year and uh, kicked yep. off 2021 in style. Uh, well, strong style <laughs> with Jeff yep. Cobb, the big, oh, yeah. big, the big Very strong fashion. style. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, so I just want to give a shout out to Shingo Takagi for like a yep. unique singles award to give out. Right, so we've got three mm. more awards to go and then... Uh, Everyone, we're all allowed to go to the toilet and have a life and some go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the cinematic match of the year. There should be no surprise given just that. Just before you get into it, Imp, mm. um, just before you get into it, I just wanted to introduce, this is the first time we've done cinematic match of the year. I wanted to include it um, for 2020 because I feel like it's been, obviously, as we said, there's mm. been cinematic matches before, um, you know, going back as far as Gold, um, Gold Dust versus uh, Roddy Piper um, mm. back at WrestleMania I want to say 11, 12, 13, something, one of those, <laughs> um, 14. I'm going to, I'm going to settle on 14. Hit me up later. If you know, <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's different, uh, but look, it's been the match of 2020, um, in terms of it's been the first time that it's been really on the big stage and both of the major promotions sort of put it on a big stage and put it over in a big way. So I wanted to make an award specifically for that. Um, and the WWE match of the year, the Boneyard match was the one that won 50.9%. I was surprised how lopsided this was. My personal mm. pick, personal pick was the stadium stampede, which came second with 21.3% of the vote. Um, and particularly given, um, where the promotion of the year skews, I'm really surprised the Boneyard ran away with it this way, but I guess people loved it being played straight down the line um, because this probably was the the straightest of all mm. of them um, in terms of not mucking about. Um, Stadium Stampede was a mix of, of um, sort of that physicality and and action mm. and the humour. They, they definitely had the humour in it. And for me, that was what made it so good particularly at that point of the year um you know in a it's 
I, I think everyone remembers because everyone was there, but in May, things were just bleak everywhere mm. in the world. And this was just like a little a little beacon of joy and happiness that lived in this absurd universe that, you know, was just so fun. It was a fun 45 minutes and mm. it was exactly what was needed at the time. And, uh, you know, I've gone back and watched it and it's still good to this day. The Firefly Funhouse match, you know, there was debates at the time as was this really a match or not, but it was definitely something cinematic, mm. um, you know, and it, the WWE deserves credit for this, for how they just let Bray Wyatt, you know, go... S- so you know really really drill into the john cena character and really um you know hung drawer and quarter it um for all it's worth uh and you know good on john cena for for being involved in that as well letting his character really be assassinated (laughs) completely um in that and that got 10 percent of the vote and then the elite deletion um between matt hardy and sammy guevara 4.5 percent and i'm so glad this came in because i want to talk about it the greatest match ever (laughs) didn't even didn't even get top you know and you know to be honest the reason that this this thing pissed me off so much is because they did this as a corporate thing to get over um so that when people could s google what the greatest match ever is this is what will show up um and what is the greatest wrestling match ever wwe fans should be equally as pissed off about this as non-wwe fans because the greatest wrestling match ever is something that should be decided by fans and critics not by a company um and they put that out there and i'm so glad that by their hubris they got hung by it it didn't even win the match of the year for wwe um it's not even in the top three cinematic matches so they deserve all of the i will never not um be i'm never not going to just hand wave the fact that they did this for their own marketing sir their own marketing purposes and took something that should be a fan and critics thing um and made it something that they decide um so you know bollocks to them um congratulations for the boneyard match which we have yeah. talked about yeah yeah i uh, will just quickly add on because of course uh, we've got uh, two more awards i think to come after this one uh we'll just say yep. for me if the if these if it had happened earlier the um why can't i never remember the name of it the fire what's the fire match called they set opponent on fire Inferno match. Inferno match. Well, I can't remember that word Inferno. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, like embers, flames. No, Inferno. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, for me, the Inferno match would probably knock the greatest match ever off the list if it had happened earlier. It's because, of course, the match happened after this list. Had, these votes had already, a lot of them have been cast. So it's not really going to climb that high. I ranked that as one of, like, maybe it's up there with the Boneyard match in terms of WWE playing a match straight in a, in that cinematic edited style um, it's a little it's an odd one because that one was half live half recorded stuff so I don't know what you class that as <laughs> as it's of course big set pieces were all cinematic or say cinematic or pre-recorded and stuff so it's a lot like the Greatest Wrestling match in that sense where it's all edited to down and together um, but I generally really enjoyed the Inferno match whilst I didn't get well Greatest Wrestling match ever was that was then throwing all of the things that you know the WWE kind of creative world think is great and they put it all into one match and it is sports entertainment the movie <laughs> is that match. Yeah. However, yep. it also screamed yep. this was a tagline we had booked and we'd gotten good and everything for a Saudi Arabia show, which this name makes a lot of sense for a Saudi Arabia show. However, then everything happened and this show took place when a Saudi Arabia show would take place. It was that month, it was that time of the year. And 
for me, it was like, well, what do we do now? And maybe they had planned Randy Orton Edge at Saudi Arabia, and then they had to come up with a way to use that tagline and do that match. But you can't leave the performance centre. <laughs> so highly edited. Amazing. Uh, I can't remember what some of the stuff they plugged was insane. Like audio, amazing audio experience. <laughs> Things like that. I'm not kidding about those taglines. <laughs> it was a weird one. Uh, but yeah, we've already talked about all the other nominees. And I agree with Sam on like every point of them. Uh, no surprise, Boneyard match won after it won match of the year. It's one of those. Uh, after it was, yeah. Uh, we have missed two two nominees I wanted to mention. Firstly, mm-hmm. one of my favourites, which I'm sad didn't make it, but completely logically mm-hmm. I'm, I know the reason it didn't, was Nick Nick versus Matt Jackson from BTE. Of um, course, episode yes. 200 yeah. was really joyful. Mm. But I feel like everyone who would have voted for that would have voted for the Stadium Stampede. Mm. So that's yeah. why it's not there. Um, and, and finally, um, before we move on to the uh, industry awards, um, shouts to the person who voted for the Boner Yard match. <laughs> That's B-O-N-E-R, yard match. Now, either there's something doing the rounds on Pornhub that I have not seen, um, or that person uh, really enjoyed the Boneyard match. Oh, so that was uh, Gallows and Anderson's... um, I've forgotten what it was called, but they did a crap special of... uh, Oh, really? Oh, damn, I haven't seen... Was that on Talking Shop Mania? Yes, I think it's the first one. one. And they did the Boneyard match, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I recommend... I didn't know that was a real thing. So if, you, if, you're into, a joke <laughs> if you're into Anderson and Gallo's like silly style of humour, check out the Boner Yard yep. match. <laughs> yeah, and yes, they that's do. A, turn... yeah, that's a risky Google. If I might, they do turn up as like Chad Too Bad and Sex Ferguson <laughs> having their big blow off rivalry. I think if I might, there was like a stipulation <gasps> oh. that they had to lose a body limb or something to win the match, <laughs> as in. Like seriously, uh, stupid stuff. <laughs> but if you like their humor, okay. I thought I thought that, that was because so, because in the past, mm. like for example, someone in feud of the year um, uh, put Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. So mm. you do get a few jokers mm. in the pack. And I thought I'd shout out the Boneyard match, but it turns <laughs> out that's that's actually something that happens. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> Let's move on in <laughs> to the uh, yeah, shift gears <laughs> to uh, the industry awards. So first up is the brand of the year again, fan voted. Yes, myself and Sam will have voted, but that's two out of hundreds. Yep. <laughs> we have like no sway. Over seven hundred votes. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So if I wanted to say this before, I, I don't know if Sam's just have to put a clarifier <laughs> just in the columns. Like we know what's going to happen. <laughs> we know the card's going to get. This yeah. is fan voted. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if myself and Sam Sam happen to have voted AEW, <laughs> but it's kind of a runaway again. And for me. Yep. The big drop off. This is the highest percentage of any of the um mm. the highest percentage of any of the awards. Sixty one point five percent for the AEW. Which is interesting. Just to say normally how split and divided the I'd say relatively even the AWWE split is for the wrestling headlines to see it run away yeah. this much. Yeah, well mm. to go into a bit of the history of this award, obviously um pre pre um twenty nineteen, I we actually had a wwe brand of the year uh, which nxt dominated and then non-wwe brand of the year um, which new japan dominated um (laughs) then in 2019 i decided to unify um with aw coming to Mm. to play that changed a lot of the awards um but i decided to just do a brand of the year um last year wwe won it um by about 10 percent uh and this year aw have absolutely crushed them 
Um, so what I suspect has happened here is AEW's probably picked up a number of people from New Japan, such as myself, mm. um, who've, you know, were not as enchanted with the main event scene over there and have decided to vote for AEW because of, you know, all the reasons we've talked about this, <laughs> this podcast. Um, and... As we talked about, one of the trends for WWE was NXT going off the boil a bit. And so I, I think there's some of the people who previously voted for WWE or last year voted for WWE because of NXT doing so well for the st- at the start of the year. And um, I think it's fair to say that NXT kicked off better than, you know, for the st- end of 2019 when it went to USA. It was at a good point and a better point than what it ended up this year. So I think some people who voted for WWE last year have switched over to voting for AEW um, just based on where the percentages have fallen. Uh, You know, outside of those big two you've got 4.4 percent for new japan real tough year outside of the major wrestling promotions a lot of them had to go on hiatus so you've got you know impact wrestling 1.9 percent nwa 1.1 percent lots of lots of companies got votes in this one but you know it's just it's a tough year outside Mm. of those two major companies that did produce content all year for better or worse, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. We don't, want to, don't have time to get into the politics of it all, but you mm. know, these are the these are the two major promotions. They're the two most high profile promotions, and they're the two that pro- that you know produce content all year round. Mm. Uh, and you know, we've kind of documented over the course of this why we voted for AW and why we think most people would have voted for that over WWE. Yeah. And uh, like, because I don't know if a lot of it would be influenced by the handling of uh, this past year. Like, because I'm currently like in disbelief that the football's still going ahead, like in the UK, where London's had like a thousand cases in a day, type of thing. As in, genuinely, I'm in disbelief. Football's not been cancelled. It's not that important. Like, oh, but when we're going to rearrange the fixtures, it's not important. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's not that. Even, that's not a concern. So with both AWWE, uh, I feel like neither should have. Ha- they should have broken up. As in, they shouldn't have continued, especially. When you look at, uh, I feel like WWE damaged a lot of their kind of in terms of brand of the year stuff, their handling of it, the number of outbreaks specifically in NXT, was just mind-boggling. What are you doing, kind of thing? Well, I say mind-boggling. You look at the wider kind of political world of America; it's understandable how this could have happened. But in terms of the in terms of the product itself, AEW managed consistency, and they they figured it out very yeah. quickly. Uh, whilst WWE have constantly tried to come up with the biggest, flashiest way to do it, uh, they they tunneled away for a bit. <laughs> they went into hibernation with the PC, and then they've exploded with the Thunderdome. And I was a little bit sad to see the current Thunderdome setup is like identical to the previous location. Like you have a baseball field, why aren't you taking advantage of this? <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, it's, it's just. Where just... You- yeah, they're trying to make every arena look the same, and why would you do that with a baseball field? <laughs> it's really strange uh, compared to what we've seen with AEW, where they kind of adapt into the uh, arena that they're in. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, like that. I, I will say briefly. I do think AEW, for the record, I do think AEW handled the pandemic better than WWE. Neither has been perfect, so mm. you know, yeah. don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, mm. You know, AEW did actually stop, even though they had weekly TV. They filmed a whole bunch of it in, I think, like six weeks of it in one day. 
or two days maybe um and then put that to air so that the performers could go home during you know the really tight lockdown when people didn't know what was going on mm. and now you know as we've worked out you know you can have bubbles you can have actually none of these guys have bubbles but that's what sporting teams are doing <laughs> um mm. but you know you can have controls in place where you can make it relatively safe and you can mitigate the risks and I think AEW probably handled it a little bit better, but honestly, I don't think people have voted for AEW because of that. Um, oh, that yeah. may be a minorly contributing factor. The reason I voted for AEW, um, and as I said, I jumped from New Japan to voting for AEW, is because of the, the booking consistency that we've seen um, and the way they've told consistent stories up and down the card all over, all, all across the years. So that's you know mm. why I voted for AEW, and I think that's the, that's the major reason people love it, um, and that's why they voted for it. Yeah, I personally also jumped... New Japan's still my number one. I'm still most invested in them. That's not changed. But I voted for AEW because I felt over the course of this year they were the most consistent. They managed to build up the stars yeah. the best, continue their long-term stories the best out of all the promotions. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not that... It's For me, it wasn't that complicated a vote. Like, yeah, who, who for me did the best overall the course of the year. And for me, the big difference is the level of detail... Outside of main event, like every single wrestler in AEW gets that kind of attention and care uh, compared to WWE where the main event is killing it for both the women and the men. You try and watch the mid-card of Raw, try and do it for two months straight, and I bet you by the end of the two months you're sick and tired <laughs> of the mid-card. As in, that, that's kind of my case in point. In terms of the product itself, Dynamite is a joy to watch every week, whilst every WWE show has got a mid-card problem. And it's just a massive lull in the middle. Even if the matches are good, you're going to see them again for the rest of your life. <laughs> so it's a bit... Uh. <laughs> anyway, let's go... 2020 to... was long enough without repeating matches like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the final award. The match of the... Not match of the year. The show of the year. Show of the year. Oh, I can't muck up the last one. Let's do it again. The show of the year. <laughs> show of the year, Sam. <laughs> and it is the Royal Rumble. Ooh, perfect timing given we're yep. going to the Rumble now. And uh, yeah, I've I said yep, earlier... 13.6% of the vote. Mm. So for me, the most telling thing is Royal Rumble won. I think even I voted for the Royal Rumble uh, because of the amount of things it hit home and as well as the title matches also doing really well themselves. Uh, even Reigns, Baron Corbin wasn't like, oh God, this is unbearable. It wasn't like that. No, the feud may have been unbearable. I may have stopped watching, but the match of the Rumble was fine. <laughs> so it was a... Show overall, I thought it was great. It accomplished everything it needed to. Got you amped for WrestleMania, which is great to see. Because even in past years, where they've given the correct winners, like the Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins year, both winners, 100% correct. Rumbles themselves, perfectly fine. <laughs> They're not that great on a rewatch. <laughs> Just because the bulk of the Rumbles, it's fine. Whilst entire men's Rumble for me, the entire pacing of it was fantastic. From start to finish. Didn't even mention Edge's return during it. <laughs> it's just like it was that well booked <laughs> as an, an entire whole that it's, uh, it's like, oh yeah, there was also this insane return that everyone's going crazy for. So I can't forget about that. The telling thing for me is outside of the Rumble, every single show here is AEW. And if I'm right, it's the first yeah. time no NXT, and I guess first time since you've been running, no New Japan either. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, so. Just to, to run down the numbers, Royal Rumble, 14 points, uh, 13.6%. AW Revolution, which was my vote, 10%. Um, Winter is Coming, 8.7%. Full Gear, 7%. 
double or nothing, 5.9%. And just to sort of, I guess, the the way this has worked out is, I guess, the majority of WWE fans have voted for the Royal Rumble. And quite rightly, it's a really good card. As I said, I really enjoyed the Daniel Bryan, um, Daniel Bryan Fiend match. I really enjoyed, actually, because I wasn't watching week to week. I enjoyed the Roman Reigns Baron Corbin match. I thought that was fun. Mm. Um, but... Uh, uh, you know, people who'd been subjected to that feud oh, week yeah. in, week out probably didn't have as much fun. Um, and, you know, the the Becky Lynch-Aska match, I thought the women's Royal Rumble was all right as well. Um, you know, that was an incredibly enjoyable card. And if I was to pick a WWE card, it would be that or TLC um, for myself. But, yeah, look, AEW picked up six of the top ten. Mm. Um, so that gives you... <laughs> they kind of split their vote mm. across a number of different great cards. I, I picked Revolution. I'll quickly get into why um, before we wrap things up for the day, um, for tonight. Um, I picked Revolution. Just the booking going into that was some of the greatest booking you have seen... I, I've ever seen in week-to-week television. Um, I haven't been a, a fan as, most, as long as most people who are probably listening um but the week-to-week booking of that show leading up to it was incredible and then the actual the actual card was just so good you know you had um the the match between chris jericho and moxley headlining it that tag match that we spoke about we had um semi guevara and darby allen just an incredible mid-card match um that was just such a such a moment and it's so sad you know that was literally i think a week before everyone went into lockdown and AEW lost a lot AEW had a great year but after that the the feeling in revolution in that crowd in after watching that show was just like these guys are ready to take on the world it felt like a revolution um and you know it's sad to see we didn't get that they had some you know, an amazing year, but that was just such a special mm. show. Um, and I would rate it up with the original Double or Nothing as their best ever shows. Um, yeah, look, as we've said, Royal Rumble, absolutely the rightful winner here, but, you know, my personal pick was AEW Revolution. If I had to pick outside of AEW WWE, it would be uh, Night 2 of Wrestle Kingdom from 2020. I mean, Roy Rumble and Revolution are my two most rewatched pay-per-views from this year. If anything, yep. they're the only two until after I've watched Wrestle Kingdom this past week. They were like the only two I'd gone back and rewatched over 2020. And yeah. yeah, for me, like the amount of new ideas in terms of the production and the crowd and things for Revolution was just great. Giving the big entrances oh, for Jericho. The Watchers. Oh, yeah, the Watchers, all the people in the car. Oh, yeah, they had a choir there. Yeah, for the Chris Jericho's entrance. <laughs> that was amazing. Yep. <laughs> just that. The fact that it was somebody who'd recorded themselves doing it and. The, then the people became so enamoured that they actually brought her for the show. That was amazing. Uh, like one of the last few, one of the last like big crowd moments, really. Because like WWE's last crowd show was Elimination Chamber. Not exactly <laughs> winning me over that, that one. But with AEW, of course, the longer kind of gaps between them really does help. And Revolution, they brought a lot of unique ideas. It's a shame we didn't get to see any of them built up upon for the final you know, kind of run of the year. But yeah, hopefully when they come back, we'll get something. But of course, by massive assumption, you're going to get like big percentages. Uh, only going to get percentages of crowds allowed back in, and it'll be slowly over the course of years. If things are allowed, if not like if if not months, then years. Slowly percentages increasing and increased. Um, so you might not get a massive in. Well, we'll probably see innovation, but not on that level. 
that we saw at Revolution for a little while, which sucks because that was a really cool visual, really cool atmosphere, and he just amped afterwards as well. Uh, Royal Rumble was like WWE's kind of peak era of Royal Rumble. The atmosphere they've been wanting this entire time they got with Drew McIntyre. The whole baseball field covered with people jumping the and cheering. The stadium amazing. Uh, such an amazing visual. Because Becky Lynch was a, a cheerable moment, but the crowd, because uh, the Rumble itself wasn't that amazing till that point. Same with Seth Rollins. That uh, You didn't really get that emotion at that incredible level. You got, you got it at a great level, like an amazing level, but... Drew McIntyre was something else. Like I think Edge helped that. Like really woke up the crowd, and then when, oh yeah, when Drew McIntyre ended up winning, eliminating Roman Reigns, they were all going crazy. Uh, yeah, for me, yes, that is the one I voted for. Even though I've banged on about AEW easily being my brand of the year, I still put Royal Rumble as my favourite show. <laughs> it's just really, really great stuff. And yeah, that brings us to the end of some happy positive. We made words. it. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> these are always quite long to get through these. Just the sheer amount of wards, and you can see why Sam likes the idea of you know maybe not splitting up into different sexes, different <laughs> different whatever, <laughs> just because the length of these wards would be. <laughs> but uh, we're not quite keeping. No it one would vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite keeping it strong style, but we've put in a good shift. We've done a good shift. It's more Hobbit than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> a decent one. <laughs> Uh, Please don't compare us to those movies. <laughs> <laughs> For me, Lord of the Rings is a Christmas film. <laughs> I watch it every single Christmas. <laughs> or at least I try to. I don't think I've ever finished them. I mean to. I made it to Two Towers this time. <laughs> That's not a great one for me. We're, we're wildly off in the mud, but oh, the yeah. way that I watch them is, because we've got the extended edition, which yeah, is disco, the only yeah, way to watch yeah. it. You, and, and they're on two discs, so you watch one disc each night. And mm. you've got six nights watching. It's perfect. Because they're like two hours, so it's mm. like a great length. You know, you mm. can sit down with the wife, have a have a drink or two, but you're not, you know, staying up till absurd night. Mm. You know, like tonight, for example, you're yeah. not staying up to an absurd, <laughs> <laughs> absurd hour. Yeah. It's only 10.30. It's not too absurd, but still. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, look, yeah. Im- Thank you so much for, for for doing this with me. I I love these awards. I love coming on and talking about them. Um, I love seeing it as people vote in because, you know, me and Imp and the writing crew at Wrestling Headlines, we've got our own opinions and we, we're stuck in our little Twitter bubble. Mm. And, you know, when you get 700 votes, you get sometimes get very different opinions to what, mm. you, you know, what you've personally experienced or think. Um, and it's good to see that because... You know, it's good to have your reality checked every now and again. But I, I just love being positive about wrestling, and mm. I love coming in and celebrating the greatness of wrestling. And 2020, you know, it had a lot of challenges, but there was a lot of really good stuff in in wrestling in 2020 as well. And you know, it's great to great to uh, chat about this. And you know, we've got this tournament on down in the College <laughs> Forum, and yeah. just it just so happens, yeah. you know, that the uh, you know the first topic is favorite match. So, you know, you can talk about your favourite match from 2020 if you want. Um, go write a column about it. Join in the fun. Five rounds, you know, mm. write five columns. See if you like it. If you don't, see you later. Yeah. You know, write a crap column and I'll eliminate you. It's last man standing. But, you know, yeah. if you're good, you'll write five columns. And you'll see and you'll have you'll see how much fun mm. it is. Um, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you very much mm. for coming along in. Uh, also say, yes, Gareth, you have missed <laughs> you've missed the Vesic Headline Daily Awards and because of YouTube you'll now have to wait yeah, you hours you missed everything for... Gareth <laughs> Every... we're signing <laughs> off 
Uh, and of course, you've got to wait hours for it to process because YouTube. Hey! <laughs> so, uh, I guess have fun what, uh, tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know when this will when this will process. It's a long one. Um, well, yeah, uh, again, thank you. To, if you've watched the entire thing, kudos and thank you, and also you're crazy. Uh, yeah, for everyone who voted as well, thank you very, very much. Or if you even, in terms of traffic, if you even clicked on the page for the voting but then didn't vote, <laughs> you, you st- still count as a click on the page. <laughs> Thank you for helping wrestling headlines. Uh, but also, um, we'll, we'll be back next year to do this, all, all, all life uh, impending. But uh, also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. Their Twitter handles have been underneath us the entire time as we've been talking, so probably didn't need me to write it. Uh, yes, they are not level and things. I was, if you were, as Sam knows, I was busy boy <laughs> before we went live, moving everything about. I realised the sizes didn't fit on the screen. <laughs> I was like, oh crap. <laughs> Hopefully, you can put up. I had it. to reinstall Skype to get onto this thing. <laughs> <laughs> like technical issues. <laughs> but it'll be, yeah. Uh, Gareth will, will slap us on later whilst playing Football Manager if we've processed. <laughs> but yeah, I'll put up a podcast version as well. So hopefully uh, that gets uploaded by some point as well. Anyway, uh, so. And I'll be releasing the column version oh, of yes. this announcement that doesn't go for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime tomorrow, probably, when I've finished writing it. <laughs> uh, and you can. Uh, I've been streaming on Twitch at the implications with a second S. I was meant. I've been playing Yakuza Zero right now in a Japanese mood. Can you guess why? Uh, I love those games. I spent my Tuesday dancing and singing karaoke with it. <laughs> I love that game <laughs> so much. Uh, but if uh, yes, you want to check me out on Twitch. I'm currently streaming that. I was meant to stream yesterday, but I was knackered from the NXT review, which is also up. And I knew I had this this morning. So like. Probably shouldn't stream for two hours on a Japanese game where I'm gonna have to read out words. <laughs> so I thought I'd wait until uh, yeah, wait until Monday again to stream. I think I might be streaming tonight on the over on the Wrestling Shorts Twitch with Ash from Wrestling Shorts. Uh, play maybe playing FIFA or something so you can check me out there. Uh, but also in terms of wrestling, you've got the column of this going up later today, and you've got me returning on Tuesday for the WWE Raw review, my first Raw of the year. How is it going to be? I don't know how you do it, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Like, genuinely, some weeks I've had to... For me, the biggest mental struggle was when we were covering G1 Climax and I was doing the WWE stuff at the same time. And during that period, I generally had to, at times, pause it and leave. And I had to calm down, (laughs) that type of thing. Not much gets me in wrestling, but when I was tired as it was, then the shows were of that quality. I'm like, if I wasn't doing this review, I would have turned this off and left. <laughs> but no, doing a review, I'm going to go away, calm down and come back. <laughs> so uh, sometimes it's a mental struggle. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. Uh, we'll see. We're in another New Japan come down era. So maybe it'll be... The, I've described it before. It's the massive whiplash you get from Vessel Kingdom to second Raw of the year. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's a bit of a whiplash. It's not the first week of the year. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. How will they do Goldberg, Drew McIntyre? Don't know. Because I didn't watch the Legend show. <laughs> so we'll see. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> I forgot, yeah. I'd forgotten it was happening for a little while. So <laughs> oh, Maybe Drew beats him. It's a positive show. We'll stay positive. <laughs> they just simply use him to put Drew over. They use what we complimented AEW for. <laughs> They'll learn their lessons from their competition. Uh, anyway, I'll be back on Tuesday at midnight to review that. So... I do it the day after because I'm English. I'm not staying up to watch more. 
come on. <laughs> but I will be uh, tuning in uh, to watch that later. Also, uh, again, massive thanks for Sir Sam as well. We've thanked each other now. Uh, we get 50-50 perspective. <laughs> we'll be uh, back next year for this. And often I'll hit up Sam for a New Japan thing at some point during the year. Uh, obviously, this year... Not the normalist of years. So it's been a whole year since we've seen Sam. <laughs> but it's not getting normal anytime soon either. So we'll have to wait and see. when. When's the next time you'll see Sam? <laughs> we'll find out. It could be a year ago. I'll be writing. I'll be writing. Hmm. Yeah, check out his columns. Check out all the I've always got. Well. I've always got plans to do a podcast or something, but I don't know. I've got a kid, man. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. keep up your schedule. I just write when I've got time. A young butts yeah. it sometimes. I do it on my phone. Right mm. during my lunch break on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I will say that my goal for this year is because I thought because doing all this video stuff, getting this all set up, trying to do this means I've invested time in this. I've completely fallen off in my columns, and I've written. Like, aside from the G1 series, aside from the New Japan Cup series, uh, my aim, because this time last year, I was busting them out. At an I'm carrying rate. you. I'm carrying you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this time last year was when I was doing the reviews of every show of the week and I was putting them out every single week. And now it's just like, I don't have the time for that. So my aim this year is to, in some form, get back more into the column writing side. Uh, I realised as I was writing that when I did the NXT columns, like, oh, I do really miss this. It's just, when am I going to do it? <laughs> because of real life. But hopefully 2021 dies down. So I've actually got, you know, a weekend again. And I can do normal things. <laughs> like, like actually write a column. Uh, we'll wait and see. But do check out the other columns as well. Absolutely nailing it right now, cu- uh, currently. Yep. And there is the tournament as well in the forums. Also, yeah, follow us both on Twitter. Follow me on Twitch. Follow uh, Sam's got a Twitch, but he's, he, uh, he's not currently streaming on it. Again, he's given, he's got life. You know, that life nope. thing that hits you. <laughs> Twitch is an investment. <laughs> you need time to be able to do that. Uh, also, uh, you can thank you for liking, subscribing, following this show, even just any form of engagement as well. Uh, whatever you do on the podcasting, like the five stars on the Apple or whatever it is. And uh, thank you for... Even if you clicked an emoji on the Wrestling Headlines website, <laughs> we appreciate it all. <laughs> no one clicks the emojis. <laughs> like five people. Even if you come day. at me with a bad faith take. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're commenting on the AEW, clear AEW bias on this show, <laughs> even if on this website Look, sometimes, yeah. I can always screenshot you and put you on my Twitter and have a laugh about you yeah. with my mates. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not a public one, we will talk about it in the actual kind of DM we've got <laughs> for the writers. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's some there's some DMs that we... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I think we've plugged ev- everything there is to plug. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, and thank you to Sir Sam. And with that, it's the end of another year, an end of another award with a positive smile on our faces. So with that, I bid you adieu. And Sam bids you... Bye-bye. Yeah. Hooroo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to our, to our everybody. Didn't quite pick my... Cu- pick my I, didn't, I didn't get my cue then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better way to sign us off. <laughs> so, so, goodbye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>